It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll let you kick your face off. I'm down with that. Hit you some But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, like he know that wrestling bro. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 285 of the Straight Shooters. Available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight. Another deep dive. We're diving deep into WCW. Back into WCW, baby. World Championship Wrestling, Slamboree 1997, which took place about, about a week past the 24th anniversary of this show, we got a lot to talk about, a lot of ground to cover on this show. With we got some big football stars, we got a big main event, NWO, a lot's going on, a lot of ground to cover, like I said. But before we get into any of that, I gotta do my weekly check in with my guy, Nick Bacone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? We're gonna throw it back to the weather days. How about a week ago, we did Beware of Dog, where they lost power to the pay-per-view. And we might lose power during this podcast, because we got severe storms out there that are headed towards us as we speak. So, hopefully yeah, lot, we don't... a lot's happening. Hopefully we don't a lose power, but... A, lot, a lot's going on right now. As you said, the thunderstorm... Well, I shouldn't... Hopefully I don't lose power. Hopefully either one of us lose power. That did happen one time on our show. It did. Uh, we were recording <laughs> a show, and I lost power YouTube, pretty much. Our YouTube days, I believe. I believe so. so. Yeah, we were doing the Google. Uh, the, yeah, what was yeah. it called? The Google Hangouts. Hangouts yeah. And uh, I, I lost power. I don't. I guess it was a storm. Uh, I don't specifically recall, <laughs> but I just know power was out, and it was out for like a little while, to the point that we recorded the show another night because it was that bad. Yeah, but um, yeah. hopefully, we don't have a repeat of that tonight for episode two eighty five. Uh, but yeah, the weather is not great. But look, we got game two. <laughs> of the Sixers yeah. series against the Wizards tonight. So we're recording this right before, a little before the game is starting. So if about a half hour from now we sound a little ex- uh, distracted, don't hold it against us. Right? <laughs> we promise not to turn this into a live commentary of the Sixers game. So <laughs> we won't do that. No. But, uh, yeah, NBA playoffs going on. Mm-hmm. Weather is bad, but... Lots of lots of stuff is going yeah. on. Postponing Dynamite a lot, so Dynamite this week will be on Friday night after SmackDown at ten o'clock, and I believe I saw uh, that. I believe they'll be postponed quite a few weeks uh, heading, you know, as we go through the NBA playoffs, and hopefully we have a reason to keep watching. I mean, I'll watch because I'm a fan anyway, but like you know, you're extra fanned up because the Sixers are in there and they're the one seed. So hopefully right. we were watching them in June, late June. Right. And this this is reason why this is a good reason why Dynamite is getting off of TNT and going to TBS because this time of the year, mm-hmm. between NBA playoffs and eventually next season when they get the NHL, 
Yeah. At the same time, so there's not gonna be any room for for dynamite yeah. <laughs> at that point. Like, <laughs> not at all. So you can it won't be a Friday night, won't be a Tuesday, none of those nights. So yeah, go to TBS and you'll be competing against those games. But hey, it is what it is at that point. At least you're on the air in your normal time slot. So, uh, yeah, that's good news for AEW. Not not good yet though, because they're getting like you said bumped to Friday this week. Um, people are like, well, what do we do? (laughs) No wrestling today? No wrestling on the Wednesday? Like, well, you got basketball. And now it's like, man, four hours of wrestling on Friday? Do I really want to sit through that? (laughs) No, you do not, actually. Eight to ten with SmackDown, which is enough of a a chore to watch. (laughs) And then ten to twelve. I mean, AEW is probably a better show, but it's from ten to twelve. I mean, I don't know. It is. But, uh, you know, we won't be seeing Adnan Vert... On AEW, uh, he's not going to be a defection. <laughs> you don't think he's so? A, he, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Look, the RDC they announced uh, his replacement already. Who was that? Oh, the guy J- uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith. Smith, right? Yeah, who's actually pretty good. I've heard him. Uh, what was it? NXT, I believe. Yeah, he did uh, some stuff he's for d- them. Yeah, and he's at MMA apparently mm-hmm. before that. Yeah, he's. I like Jimmy Smith. It's just. WWE is not an easy place to call to call <laughs> to announce. Like when you got Vince in your ear. Probably yelling or screaming or whatever, and he got all these things to promote. And then Adnan, I applaud him for trying, but he wasn't a wrestling fan. He didn't know everything that you needed to know. Which is, I mean, one is like he could learn, but another end is like fans are very demanding. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just better be a fan if you're gonna enter our realm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised really. I'm about to happen this soon. Take I'm just not a surprised. Shower, that- hit the weights, get a clue. <laughs> and now Virg is a good commentator He's a good announcer though That's the thing It's just When you're announcing for WWE All of a sudden It makes people sound bad Yeah I wonder why that, why that happens Yeah And I didn't pay much attention You know Because like I said Raw is mostly background noise For me at this point But uh, the people that were Paying attention to his commentary Had said that he would say The same thing Like he wouldn't call moves He would just be like What a move Like he wouldn't exactly and, and Call things And that's probably You know Straight from WWE Like Yeah do it this way. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's not an easy, um, not an easy no. gig. No. So don't don't rag on Adrian Burke for too much too much because not everybody can do that. I mean, there's obviously WWE has their people that they can do that that can do it, but they've also been conditioned and trained and brought up kind of pretty much brought up in that WWE system. Mm-hmm. Adrian Burke was not. <laughs> he no. was a, a traditional sports. Uh, television personality who did not come up through WWE's way of doing things and probably wasn't really that big of a wrestling fan and here you are on the the uh, the flagship like show it, in all yeah. of wrestling <laughs> good yeah. luck yeah we're live pal <laughs> so you know that's that that's that but we got some better announcers to talk about yes he was slamboree 1997 which took place on May 18th, 1997. You ready to deep dive into this, Nick? Oh, I'm ready. You want me to play that opening promo? I'm ready. Well, before before we play it, okay. I got to ask you the question oh, I always oh, ask yeah. you. That's right. That's right. Where was I? Where were you in life <laughs> <laughs> in May of 1997? <laughs> uh, all right. So it's 97. It's coming to the end of my sixth grade year so it's quite a moment because i didn't put 
much effort into watching Nitro, even when Scott Hall showed up, you know, the previous year, the previous May, and even when Kevin Nash showed up, I was just like, oh, okay, like, WWF's still where it's at. Fast forward a year later, and I'm, like, angry that I can't order a WCW Slamboree pay-per-view because I had already ordered the Cold Day in Hell in your house pay-per-view of WWF. It was, like, the week sooner or two weeks before this. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, WCW was at that point where I wanted to watch every single pay-per-view and I was like kind of angry and I was like, I can't turn my back on the WWF, you know, like I've been a fan forever. So sure if, I were to get, if, I, <laughs> if I were to get a pay-per-view, it would have to be WWF. But I, I figured, you know, WWF pay-per-view, I'll, you know, my mom will order it now and then I'll have all week to try and convince her to order <laughs> the WCW <laughs> one. <laughs> but, and I did that every month pretty, pretty much in this time frame, And, she never budged, you know. I don't know why I, you know, the next month I'd be like, you know what, maybe this is the month that I can get her to budge, but you know, it did <laughs> no. not happen. But uh, yeah, I I remember this, you know, Nitro was preempted a lot because of the NBA playoffs at this point. Some nights they were on Tuesday night and they were an hour long, and maybe an hour long at six o'clock on Monday instead of head to head with Raw. So. And I would be outside, you know, like playing, you know, in the neighborhood. So I didn't watch every episode, but I do remember the Nitro episode where the NWO had propaganda fall from the ceiling and <laughs> said uh, on one of the papers, tradition bites with the NWO logo and everything. And I remember Roddy Piper kind of like just staring at the paper while Ric Flair was getting his ass beat by the NWO. <laughs> and uh, then eventually, as Nitro was going off the air, he, uh, you know, saved him. But. Uh, that was my, you know, uh, that's just like a little bit of what, like that little thing. I was like, what? Is there something else on the paper? Like, you know, what's Roddy Piper reacting to? And that little st- stuff, WWF did not have that, like on their TV at this point. So everything WCW was doing was like hit me differently. And I was just like a huge fan at this point. I remember going into school the next day and, you know, my friend who ordered it, you know, I didn't go over there to watch it or whoever, but he would be talking about it. And I'd be like, man, shut up. <laughs> I'm angry that I didn't see it. Like, don't tell me what happened. This was before my internet days. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, my w- WCW fandom was hitting its peak at this point. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, we decided to deep dive into this and, uh, very, very, it felt like a very pure pay-per-view <laughs> at this point. In this era pure. of WCW, it felt pure and to to a degree. What What do you mean by pure? Uh, you know, like the booking made sense a lot. Uh, mm. You had that feel-good ending uh, that you rarely had during this time frame because everything was NWO, 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 and it almost felt like uh, an anomaly of a pay-per-view in this era. And I remember, you know, watching Nitro, and it was like, I I knew, you know, okay, even though, you know, the WCW team won, it didn't feel like they won. It never felt like they won when they actually won, because I always knew NWO would do something to kind of take that heat back or whatever. So it was a feel good. It was like a pure pure night, almost. (laughs) Hey, I I, I don't blame you for saying it was a it's a good night, uh, <laughs> pure night, whatever. <laughs> I guess because there wasn't a ton of interference in every match, and there wasn't like, I mean, there was some interference in some matches. I will say that, but it didn't feel like a, a big mess at certain points where, right? That's what you would get eventually in WCW. But 
<sighs> what was I in 1997? I don't know specifically. I was um, eight. I was eight years old, mm. which meant I had to have been in second grade, I guess. So, yeah, let's go with second grade, 1997. Probably just watching a lot of football, which is <laughs> what... Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> watching a lot of football. And that's pretty much it. That was my life at that point in 1997. Wow, so like a whole the, lot of wrestling yet. these football legends didn't grab your eye, huh? No, I, I <laughs> look. I was so I don't like. I barely. That's the thing. Like I didn't really. I knew about wrestling, but I didn't really hear about it until like I went to school. Hmm. So I don't. I don't. At least I don't remember seeing a bunch of commercials and stuff like that. You would have thought that I saw a commercial or something. But I don't remember. Right. Because if I saw a commercial, I probably would have started watching. But hmm. I don't know. Just kind of. I don't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't in watching football at this point, so the fact that the... Like, I knew Reggie White was... I knew there was, like, a Philly connection there, and I remember, like, I had trading cars, and he was in an Eagles uniform, and I was just confused because I didn't realize <laughs> at that point, you know, people can you know, switch teams and stuff and uh, stuff like that, and I was just like, okay, like, Reggie White. I didn't realize how... <laughs> You know, much of a great player he was, not only for the Eagles, but obviously the Packers then. Uh, Steve McMichael, to me, was a WWF guy the whole time because I first saw him in the WWF. You know, I was like, I never viewed him as a WCW guy, even though that's where he wrestled. Yeah, he didn't wrestle in WWF. Uh, Kevin Green, I didn't know much about him. I just knew, like, they, these guys are big, and it looked like they at least fit, but at the same time, in my like viewing this as a sixth grader at this point, I was just like, if they were as big as a wrestler, I almost felt like wrestlers were bigger than football players, you know, not vice versa, stuff like that. So the fact that you know Kevin Green was gigantic, Mago was gigantic, Reggie White was gigantic, I'm just like, oh, maybe they, you know, maybe this is different than the Lawrence Taylor stuff. But that's kind of as far as I went with the whole football connection. Mm. We're going, to, we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk all about it. But let's set the stage a little bit here. Of course, this is the fifth annual Slamboree pay-per-view emanating from what was known then as the Independence Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is now known as the Bojangles Coliseum, which for those that don't know, Bojangles is like a food chain down in the south. Uh, I think they're, they're pretty highly rated as far as I know. I've heard good things about Bojangles. Never had it myself, but... I've heard good things. Uh, of course, AEW ran a show here back in November of 2019. So, still a wrestling venue. Uh, of course, that was one of the last AEW shows before the pandemic. Well, not really the, one of the last, but, you know. That's actually one of their first shows on the road, I should say. I should reverse that. It's one of their first shows when they started traveling back in October of 2019. Weekly travel, I should say. Uh, there were 9,643 people in attendance, according to good old Wikipedia. Reliable. <laughs> good and reliable. Uh, a little note about Slamboree. Uh, this show started off, you know, when it first began back in, I believe, 93. It was like the Legends reunion, right? It was a place where they would bring all these legends from the old NWA, bring them out and have them wake to the fans, and eventually uh, induct them into the WCW Hall of Fame, which WWE does not acknowledge <laughs> in any sort of way. They're just like, oh, we're just, he's in WCW Hall of Fame? Just put him in our Hall of Fame. We won't even acknowledge that. Um, but even that didn't last long. They stopped doing the whole Legends thing and the whole Hall of Fame thing in 95. So that was in it. It only lasted three years. So, so much for that. Hmm. Bummer. Uh, 
one thing I noticed right off top when I looked at this card, the dark matches look pretty good. <laughs> like, <laughs> first, first of all, let me say this match, this show, I should say, was a good show. Like I enjoyed watching this show. It was a lot of fun actually at various moments. Then I was like, damn, this sh- this this show would have been even better if I got to see Yuji Nagata and Pat Tanaka. You know, yeah. Yuji Nagata just recently challenged for the IWGP <laughs> United States Championship in AEW against John Moxley. He didn't he did not win. Came up short. But Blue Justice is still out here getting it done, right? And then the other match was Public Enemy versus Harlem Heat. I was like, that's that's a match. I can dig you know? that. I can. But before you even answer that, you answered it. You got it prematurely. I was going to ask you if you can dig it. <laughs> Man, we can edit that, right? <laughs> that bit is gone. That bit. That ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, damn it! That's two twice. I kind of screwed up. Damn. It's all right. Don't worry. Don't worry. I almost want the I almost want the storm to knock the power out now. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. That ship has sailed though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we get any matches, we got a video package start off the show featuring Mongo, Steve McMichael, Reggie White, and Kevin Green. Nick, you have the audio to this, don't you? I do. Three are all pros. Two are on opposite ends of the fierce Green Bay Chicago rivalry. Off the gridiron and into the ring, one will gain the other's respect in the WCW's black and blue division. WCW or NWO. Piper is a true icon in the sport. The Nature Boy has defined excellence in world championship wrestling. Wildcard Kevin Green will aid in carrying the rich WCW tradition. The Outsiders and Six have hurled the barrage of insults in the direction of the veterans. The NWO is on a campaign to replace honor with disgrace. This triple threat will engage forces as WCW faces the NWO at Slamboree. Man, I got me all pumped up. How was this not their biggest pay-per-view of the year after that? <laughs> I mean, it felt like it. The way it they did. promoted it, WCW versus NWO, they were taking tradition and replacing it with disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> that was great. That was great. So let's set the stage a little bit more here because you heard those names. Reggie White, Kevin Green, Steve McMichael. We've talked about Steve McMichael on the podcast before. We've given him his flowers. Also, good luck to Steve McMichael in his fight against ALS. Yes. Um, terrible, terrible disease. So hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully he's doing okay. Uh, but let's talk about Reggie White and Kevin Green, who have passed on. And uh, Reggie White did in 2004. Kevin Green did December of last year. Mm-hmm. But at this point, obviously they were alive and well. And at the peak of their powers in football, all right? Because as Nick mentioned, and if you don't know football, we're going to take you down a deep dive here. So you're going to get the football lesson here about these two guys, right? So as Nick mentioned earlier, Reggie White was a member of the Eagles. And he was, still to this day, arguably the one of the best Eagles defenders, the best defenders in Eagles history, right? And one of the best defenders of all time, honestly, defensive players of all time. But at this point, he was in Green Bay. Uh, he had left the Eagles in free agency before the 1993 season. He is in Green Bay, and he had just won a Super Bowl a couple months prior to this. January of 1997, Packers beating the New England Patriots. I know that sounds crazy, right? The Patriots losing a Super Bowl? Not Tom Brady? No, it was Drew Bledsoe and Bill Parcells, not Bill Belichick. 
uh, losing to the Packers 35-21, Super Bowl 31 in New Orleans, Louisiana. A couple months later, he's here in WCW. Uh, both Reggie White and Kevin Green are in the, both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and they deserve it, very much so. When I, you'll realize that after I run this down here. White is one of, I don't know how many people, probably the only player in NFL history, but he's definitely one, to have his number retired by two different teams. Right? He wore nine, he first started off with 91 with the Eagles, but then he switched to 92 and had a legendary career before going to Green Bay. His number is retired. Green Bay helped win, win a championship, won Defensive Player of the Year, another year, took him to two Super Bowls, actually. His number is retired by the Packers. And that's, again, these are two of the most storied franchises in league history. It's the Packers, who are over 100 years old. Reggie White is one of the few guys on that team that had the number retired. That's the, you got to be really, really, really good for the Packers to retire your number. All right? And the same goes for the Eagles, obviously. I mean, we don't have as many championships to Packers, but we won a bunch, you know, won a good amount. And we go back to 1933. So you got to be really good to have your number retired for the Eagles or for any team for the most part, but definitely these two teams. Reggie White, 13-time Pro Bowl selection, eight-time All-Pro selection. He's a member of the 1980s and 1990s All-Decade teams. <laughs> That's crazy, mm. right? Mm. Two-time Defensive Player of the Year. He won in 1987 with the Eagles. He won again almost a decade, over a decade later, I should say, 11 years later. He won again with the Packers in 1998. That's crazy. I don't know how many people have won an award like that. That's pretty much, you know, the, the MVP typically goes to an offensive player every year. That's just how it shakes out. So the Defensive Player of the Year is like the, de- the Defensive Player's like version of the MVP. And I don't know how many guys have won it, you know, twice but over the course of a 11-year span. Like, that's almost unheard of, right? Uh, he finished his career with 198 sacks. At that point, the most in NFL history. Now he's second most all-time. Two behind Bruce Smith, who has 200 sacks. Third in that list? You want to guess who's third in that list? Uh, no clue. Kevin Green. Nah, third all-time in sacks. I was, I was like, <laughs> uh, I was thinking maybe it was an eagle, but damn it. Nope. Kevin Green is third all-time with 160 sacks. So you see how that's a big difference, though, between 200, yeah. 198, 160. So Reggie White was damn good. Let's just, we know that. Uh, yeah, he deserves it. There are, if you look at the, the, the top 20, as far as the all-time sack list, there are no active players in the top 20. Wow. So it's hard to get to that point. All right. And this comes with the game. I mean, they're, they're passing the ball more than ever. Sure, some of those passes are coming out the, you know, the, the passes are coming out the quarterback's hands pretty quick. But still, there's a lot of opportunities to get sacks, and it just goes to show how good these guys were. Uh, no, Reggie no, White's best no season. No active players, huh? None. <laughs> it's t- it's tough, bro. It's tough. <laughs> it's hard to do. Uh, Reggie White, whose nickname, by the way, the Minister of Defense. You talk about. All-time yes. great nicknames. Yes, Reggie White, because he's a very, he's very uh, devout. You know, he's very uh, devout in his faith for Christianity. So he's a, he's a he's a reverend. He's a legit reverend, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So his nickname became the Minister of Defense. Uh, so yeah, that's a great nickname. One of the all-time greats. The Eagles, by the way, probably probably have the 
the best nicknames of any team, I think, in between Minister of Defense, Weapon X, Concrete Charlie, <laughs> Arkansas Fred. There's so many. That's just I just rattled that off the top of my head. There's more, I'm sure. But uh, but so great nicknames on the Eagles, by the way. Um, his best season was with the Eagles, in my opinion. Uh, that was 1987, the year he won Defensive Player of the Year. He recorded that season 21 sacks. That's a crazy amount of sacks, right? Now, granted, other players have gotten 20 sacks before. Hell, that 21 sacks hit that season wasn't even the most all-time. I think Mark Gassino had the record by that point. I think it was like 22. And Michael Strahan eventually broke that, got like 22 and a half or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about that 21 sacks. Those sacks came in 12 games. Wow. 21 sacks wow. in 12 games. The reason why he only played 12 games because that was a year of a lot of labor strife between the NFL players and the owners, and eventually the players did not play. I think they went on strike, and the, the owners like, screw this, we're going to do replacement players. So, yeah, that was a replacement year. And he only wound up playing 12 sacks. So the next year he played a full season, he had a ho-hum 18 sacks. Just <laughs> <You know? laughs> 18 the next year. But 87, 21 sacks in 12 games. Let's do the math real quick. That's almost two sacks a game, 1.75. And if you don't know football, if you're over a sack a game, that's your clip, you're going to be the defensive player of the year almost every time. <laughs> like... Like, you're at least in a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year any year, in any decade, in any era of pro football. If you're averaging a, a sack or more, he's almost averaging two. You're getting a sack per game or averaging that, you're going to the Pro Bowl that year. That's a good season. It's a great season. So, he could play on the inside of the defensive line, a D-tackle, could play defensive end. He was a, just, just a, tremendous player like can't say enough of how good he was as a defensive lineman arguably the greatest of all time Eagles fans hold him obviously in the highest of regards and so do the Packers that's how good he was two teams two stored franchises hold him up there on that pedestal and he deserves it but let's transition to our other Hall of Famer Kevin Green who again passed away this past December he had to wait a while to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I forget what year he, exactly he went in. Let me look it up real quick. But he retired in 1999. He didn't get into the like, last, like, maybe 10 years? For some reason? Let me see here. When did he get inducted here? Two, 2016. 2016, wow. They made that man wait 17 years to get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Why? I have no clue. Because when I list his stats here, you can be like, how the hell did he have to wait? So, Kevin Green comes into this event as he's just finished a Pro Bowl and All-Pro season with the Carolina Panthers. If you don't know, the Panthers were an expansion team in 1995, along with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think the expansion, like the, the, the protection, like you know how expansion teams come in and they, you know, teams that are already in the league can protect certain players, mm-hmm. but they, everybody else is free to be picked up in the expansion draft. Yep. I want to say the NFL did the Panthers and the Jaguars a lot of favors to make sure they were pretty good early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, you know, similar with the NHL, with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, they the NHL really helped out you know, that team. Exactly. Be good right away. 
that you know guys like Mark Andre Fleury were left unprotected by the Penguins, and all of a sudden he's in the Stanley Cup final with the Golden Knights, like their first season. Yep, like their very first season, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? So among the players that the Panthers were able to pick up over the course of that off season, well, I, I, not their, I'm, not, I'm not sure did he play with them in '95? I gotta check that too. I'm not sure if he was on their expansion team or not. He was definitely on that 96 team that, again, the foundation had been laid the year before. I think they came back in free agency and picked up some more guys. Yeah, so he his first year in Carolina was 96, so that's the yeah. second season. But, again, they picked up a couple of free agents because, again, the 87 season. Let's go back to 87 real quick. The reason why the players were going on strike is because they wanted to implement the Institute free agency. Free agency, real free agency wasn't really a thing yet. By 87. And then by 1993, it became instituted. And that's when Reggie White left the Eagles to go to the Packers. He was a free agent finally. So a team like the Panthers, traditionally expansion teams would be bad for a while before they can get good. But the expansion draft and free agency, all of a sudden, they pick up somebody like Kevin Green. And all of a sudden, they go from eh, a middling team to 12-4 and four the next season. <laughs> <laughs> and they go all the way to the NFC Championship. And lost to Reggie White's Packers at Lambeau Field. And most teams would have. They, you know, it's a tough place to win a conference championship game, unless you're Tom Brady, I guess. Or Eli Manning. Um so, <laughs> so they that happens. Also, the Jaguars were pretty good that year, too. They also went to the AFC Championship game, lost to New England. So again, the expansion draft helped those teams out pretty good. And in free agency, right? So, comes off that season. This show, of course, takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, guess where the Panthers play? Tennessee. Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. Well, that was my second guess. <laughs> That's your second guess. That's all right. Um, and this was like their first, I think they just finished up their first season in Charlotte because the first season they played in South Carolina at Clemson Stadium, mm. I believe. Because technically they represent both the Carolinas, I believe. But they play in North Carolina. Why don't they call them the Carolinas Panthers then? I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. <laughs> that would but, be kind of weird, but it would make sense. It would be weird. The Carolinas. Carolina, the S apostrophe? Or just S, because they're two Carolinas, so it doesn't that's true. Not necessarily need the possession. That's true. But. You're talking about both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But <laughs> Kevin Green, though, <laughs> he, went, he finished his career... It's, it's funny, is we see all this stuff, and he's in Charlotte, and he comes out eventually with the Panthers varsity jacket and the Panthers colors, yeah. and then he signed with the 49ers in August. <laughs> 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 he went back to the Panthers. Like, he went back to Carolina eventually. But he finished his career. By the time he retired, five Pro Bowls, two-time All-Pro, and a member of the 1990s All-Decade team. Here's the absurd thing about Kevin Green, right? Again, finished with 160 career sacks, Pro Football Hall of Famer. He retired in 99. I think he could have played another five years. Here's why. Kevin Green finished his career, his last four seasons, all double-digit sack seasons. That's absurd. He was playing into his, this was age 34, 35, 36, and 37 seasons. He retired when he was 37. Wow. Still putting up 10 sack seasons like it was nothing. Like, yum, um, 
that's good. Ten sacks for me. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> right? From ninety-two to ninety-nine, he had double digit sacks in every season but one. From ninety-two to ninety-nine. That's eight seasons. What? That's crazy. And these are all he's seen in his thirties in all these seasons. Where players are typically slowing down, he was just churning along like it was nothing. One season he didn't get ten sacks. It's nineteen ninety five. His last season with the Steelers. Nine and a half. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Nine Great. sacks. And the Steelers are probably like, oh, I guess he may not have it anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't protect him now, like because it's an expansion draft. Or maybe no, actually no. There wasn't the expansion draft. That's after ninety five season. So I guess he just walked in free agency. You know, and that team was nice. With you know, uh, they had Kevin Green, they had LeVon Kirkland, Jason Gilden. I mean, Rod Woodson, Carnell Lake. I mean, they had some players in that team, right? On that defense, especially. Just went to the Super Bowl in '95, lost to the Cowboys, but they went to the Super Bowl. Kevin Green walks and goes to the Panthers and has just another like 14 and a half sack season. Just no, no big deal, you know. <laughs> so. Does it goes to show that there's a level these both of these players were at their at this point already all time greats and they still kept it going. Again, this is ninety seven, going into the ninety seven season. Reggie White won defensive player of the year during the ninety eight season. Kevin Green finished his career with ten sack seasons. He didn't he never had a less than double digit sacks after ninety five. And the reason why I said that I thought he could play another five years is because he could have been a guy like Dwight Freeney was just coming in and rushing the pass on third down. <laughs> like, yeah. when DeVry Freeney did that for like three teams at the end of his career, like the Cardinals and the Falcons, and he was just putting up four or five sacks a season because he was coming in on third down. Kevin Green still had 10 sacks in him. <laughs> Easily 10 sacks in him at 37. He could have played till he was like 43 if he wanted to, but he, I don't think he wanted to be just a that pass rushing specialist. He just, he wanted to be an every down defensive lineman, which I understand. But if I was his representation at that point, <laughs> I would have been like, yo, Kev, I think you can do it. Like an, you can play to like 02, bro. And like 02, 03, you can still get five, six sacks. There's teams that will pay you money for that. Teams that will pay him money to get five or six sacks, and I believe he could have done it. Maybe the Eagles would have brought him in instead of LeVon Kirkland. How about that? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> Kirkland was a linebacker, though. Right. He wasn't really at the edge. He wasn't an edge rusher. LeVon Kirkland was good for the Eagles, though. He wasn't, he wasn't athletic. Uh, he was slow. <laughs> Uh, but he was good for the Eagles, though. That o- he was on the O2 team, right? LeVon Kirkland? He was a good yeah. player. Yeah. Okay. He was a good player. I'll defer to you on that because I was still, I was just starting my football fandom around that era. That's fair. The Andy Reid era was my first taste of football. So That's fair. That's 100% fair. But, uh, yeah, I think Kevin, I don't. maybe they could have brought him in as an edge rusher. <laughs> That's the way he <laughs> yeah. could have got it done. Because I know they brought in, like, you know, some big names on defense. Or the Andy Reid era, so that's why I just figure yeah, I could see them look, bringing him in. Look, he, he wasn't a young young player. Well, they were, point, you know, close to a Super Bowl. You know why not? Right. If he if he was willing to play twenty snaps a game for a contender, I mean, the Eagles would have been a good contender to go to. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but um, he he did eventually win a championship as a coach. For the Packers. Mm. Another damn championship for the Packers. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot of connection there between these two guys. And, of course, Mongo is involved as well. We talked about him, of course, in the past. A lot about him. 
funny enough, this is like this like rekindling of the Packers Bears rivalry because that's a big rivalry in, in the NFL. I mean, it's the oldest rivalry in the NFL. It goes back over a hundred years. Uh, they talk about it every time those two teams play. It's the oldest rivalry in the league. Yeah. So I knew about that rivalry thanks to TGIF. Step by step. Oh. Yeah. They were big Packers fans, so they would always talk about the Bears and stuff. And then the Family Matters family was all all about the Chicago Bears. They would talk about the Packers. So TGIF. There you go. Where I got my football knowledge before I watched the games. (laughs) (laughs) It was a rivalry that runs deep. (laughs) Generations. Even in TV shows. (laughs) All right? So, but the thing about Mongo is that even though he was traditionally a bear, like he was always a Chicago bear, he spent his last year with the Packers. Mm-hmm. His last NFL season with the Packers with Reggie White as his teammate in 1994. Yeah, they used, when uh, the LT Bam Bam WrestleMania match and the lead-up, they used the picture of Mongo in a Packers helmet. You know, it was wow. just funny, yeah. yeah that so, had to look strange. Yeah, I, you know, still, in 95, this was two years before this, I still had no clue about football and teams and stuff like that. So when I, you know, Mago was wearing the bear stuff, I was like, wait a second. I thought he was a Packers guy <laughs> just because of that image that WWF used when they would like Lawrence Taylor's team and everything. And, uh, you know, Mago was there with the Packers, you know, uh, helmet on. So it's just like weird. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Very weird. But uh, we go back to the event here. We got Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes and Bobby Heenan on the call. And the one thing they talked about was that, oh, Reggie White had a disadvantage because Mongo has experience in pro wrestling and White did not. Mongo did not have that much experience in pro wrestling. <laughs> I guess he had more technically, but it wasn't like he was like a, you know, a, a grizzled vet or something like that. Right, it was yeah. like a year in. Yeah, exactly. Year in. He turned on Kevin Green, funny enough, uh, went to start his like pro wrestling career. So then, he's, then he was mm. on the Horseman. So that was the start of it. So it was about That's a year. Yeah. And here's Kevin Green with the Horseman. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling's funny. It is. So, rest in peace to Kevin Green and Reggie White, by the way. They, yes. they were tremendous they, players. They were so much fun to watch. You know, watching these shows back and these WCW shows, they got into it. And Kevin Green more than Reggie White, I think, but because, uh, like, he was there, you know, the previous year. He was around. Uh, he came back. And he, you know, jump in the ring and do, you know, his da- shuffle and whatnot. He was like getting the, he got the crowd hyped just from that. And it was fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. We're going to talk about him more later on, but you can tell both of them got it. Yes. They definitely got it. And they tell they definitely like being there. They respected, you know, the business. You know, it's an important thing in wrestling. Got to respect the business, you know. Um, And they did. You can tell they got it right away. So. But we got a little bit of time to get to that. We got some more time. We got to start off the show with a WCW World Television Championship match. It is Lord Steven. Well, you just Steven Regal. Just Steven, I say. Just Steven Regal <laughs> going against the Ultimate Dragon. Or he's just Ultimate Dragon, not the Ultimate Dragon. Mm. He wasn't Ultimo on this night. WCW so, man. Like, yeah. WCW. I, I don't understand. But he's going against. We want to call him Ultimo Dragon because that's pretty much his name. He was defending the title against Steven Regal. Uh, Dragon, of course, was with Sonny Ono, who was 
always taking some selfies. He's probably the first person that I can think of taking selfies that I saw on TV at least taking selfies. Yeah, this me is too. '97. So shout out to Sonny Ono for being an innovator. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't think he gets enough credit <laughs> for being the selfie innovator in this real world. Uh, speaking of Sonny Ono, though. He was on the most recent Dark Side of the Ring about Collision in Korea. He was. Did you happen to watch that? I did watch it. What did you think? <sighs> I, I guess there's a reason why it's not on the WWE Network or on Peacock. <laughs> oh, my God. I, for I remember, real? like, I was searching for it because I never watched it, but, uh, you know, it's not on there, at least as far as I could tell. And, uh, yeah, it was just very, uh, like, you knew kind of where this was. I even kind of knew where that direction was headed before I even watched the episode. But man, like it, it was, it was intense. It was, it was an intense uh, dark side of the ring where, and I'm glad that they had the the people that were there. They were able to get Scott Norton on there. Obviously, Eric Bischoff. Uh, they didn't have Ric Flair, but um, you know, I mean, they did what they could, I guess, but. Uh, they're always entertaining, you know, regardless of who they get and who they, yeah. who, they who they don't. But uh, yeah, it's funny because I didn't really know that much about this show. I heard about it, but I never watched it. I didn't know anything about it. But then I thought, and I started watching it. I was like, wow, I should have known that the whole time that being in Korea had to have been difficult, <laughs> like yeah. being in North Korea. And you watch it, and it's like, damn, that's hectic. <laughs> like. And not the age of cell phones, no social media. You know, Scott Norton had right. said that he, he had to wait two or three days to make a call to his wife. You know, imagine being his wife, not knowing what the hell right. is going on because you're not she hearing She thought from he him. was out here dotting and bopping <laughs> in Korea. <laughs> and that, was, yeah, she was saying about that. Not, you know, that they, you know, might have killed him or something. It was, <laughs> you must be right, cheating well, he on was, me. <laughs> he was doing the exact opposite of thotting. There's no such thing as thotting and bopping in, in Korea. You crazy? But it's just wild because it's like there have been like darker things to happen on Dark Side of the Ring, death and destruction and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. the potential for things to get real dark when I was in Korea, like people yeah. could have got shot and killed right away. It just, yeah. it was, it was wild. So if you haven't seen it, if you like me, you didn't know that much about it going into it, I suggest you check it out. Uh, but we got Mike Tenay, Mike Tenay on the call for this match because he's always the lucha and uh, yeah. Japanese wrestling expert. And in this case, it'd be Ultimate Dragon he's talking about. Uh, but one thing I noticed, one, one question I had before this match. This match was great, by the way. Uh, I really enjoyed this yeah. match. But what is the origin of the TV title in wrestling? Like, I would love to know someone. I would love to have someone explain to me where it came from, what was the logic behind the TV title. Because there's no such thing as a TV title in any other combat sport. Right? <laughs> and I'm trying to, like, you, you can easily... In your mind, like, oh, world championship. Okay, he's the champion of the world. United States championship. He's the champion of the United States. Intercontinental, even that's a little fuzzy, but I kind of get it. Like, it's like, what's what's intercontinental champion mean? Like, what is that? But the television title, and I'm I, I just like, oh, what? I wonder why that exists. Now, the only thing I can think of is that because, obviously, when it started back in the day, the NWA, a lot of these territories were running weekly television, and I guess if you didn't have the world champion on your show every week... It'd be nice to have a TV champion, yeah. <laughs> the world TV champion, yep. the champion of television. So I, I guess that's what's <laughs> yeah. It's for. Instead of watching just you know matches that might not, I guess, I mean I guess that matches meant more back then 
if you watched it, but if you had like a title involved, regardless, uh, you know, that's a title that can be switched in a way that the world title really can't. So if you, if somebody gets hot and over with the crowd, you can, you know, simply put the TV title on them and, you know, might get even more popular and then you could change it. You can have heels get more heat that way. So I thought, yeah, that's my, that would be my guess as to how, like, somebody drummed up the idea of a TV title. It's just, hey, at least we could have, like, a, a title match on our TV program, if not every week, maybe every other week, or at least once a month or something like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like how you have, like, the Intercontinental title that can main event SmackDown, like, once a month or something like that, you know, which I, I like. I like having that secondary yeah. title that main events TV shows. So I kind of figured that's where this idea came from. Yeah, and I'll just, I just haven't, I just never knew what the origin was of it, and it doesn't exist anywhere else. It's such else. a cool, like, oh. cool name, too. Just TV title. It is. Cool. It is. I think <laughs> wrestling fans, we just accepted it, like, yeah. oh, yeah, TV title. Like, we talked about the, the TNT title becoming a TBS title. It's like, whoa, they could just change it to the TV title. It's like, yeah, they could. Yeah, that makes sense. It's <laughs> like, we're wrestling fans, so we're, like, kind of conditioned to know, like, TV titles exist, but I was just like, if you're not a wrestling fan... You're probably like, what the hell is a TV title? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> like, and I'm just, and then you know, take take a second, a step back, and be like, huh, that's a good question because yeah. I have no idea. Like, where, yeah. what's the origin of it? Like, so th- I'm sure somebody out there knows, and they can explain it to us. And if you know that, feel free to give us some <laughs> some knowledge on that. Uh, before we move on to the actual match itself, though, we got to give William Regal his flowers. <laughs> I feel like we haven't talked about him. We haven't talked about him enough, really like not, a lot on the no. show. We haven't had a bunch of his matches uh, or angles, but William Regal is forever like I think an underappreciated wrestler. He's a great, tremendous wrestler. He's been wrestling since like, he was like 14, 15 years old, something like that, and in, in, you know in the UK, he did some tremendous comedy stuff in WWF in like ninety nine, two thousand, when he became William Regal into Commissioner and all that stuff. And then now he's a great talent recruiter for NXT. They'd be recruiting talent from all over the world. Uh, you know, it's not his fault that WWE, when they get to the main roster, they kind of squander a lot of that talent. But he is, is, is part of his responsibility is to bring that talent in the building for them to squander, I guess, eventually. <laughs> but um, And he's probably the best GM that WWE has ever had on TV. Mainly because he's not involved in every storyline. You only see him every, every once in a while. He comes in, he straightens out an issue, and he goes away. Yeah, everything does kind of make sense. You know, he's not meddling and trying to, you know, tip the scales in one person's favor. He's trying to make it fair and balanced for everybody. And that's all I want out of my GM. Yeah, on TV. And he has like that. You. you- you're anticipating whenever he makes a big announcement. I know every year it's like everyone anticipates him saying war Raw games. games. Like, and it, the whole lead up to it is like, it's so great. Like on social media, they're like, we have to hear him say it. And so it's like built around him saying that, but then, you know, he, it doesn't overshadow. It doesn't really overshadow the talent. It doesn't overshadow no. stories. It's just like a great, William Regal moment, and in my opinion, <laughs> I, while I love the stuff he did, you know, in WWE and NXT, now I loved. I think he was at his best for what I love uh, about him in WCW because uh, he did it in the as ring. a worker. He probably was as, his as, best in WCW, and just the way he, you know, really interacted with the fans and the 
opponent and the referees. Just, he li- literally, you cannot tell like that wasn't the real Steven Regal. Like that, if you had to be guess, it'd be like, oh, that's the real person. Like he's not playing a wrestler. He's not playing a character. That's Steven Regal. So I loved his WCW stuff, especially in '96 and '97. And he's he was around for a while. He he got there in like ninety two or ninety three. So he had he's been been there for years at this point. Yeah, yeah. He was there when like Steve Austin was there, studying Steve yeah. Austin and stuff like that, yeah. and all that, and Ricky Steamboat. But um, his facial expressions would be tremendous. Yes, yes. some of the best facial expressions probably in wrestling history is William Regal. Like how, yeah. when he's you can see when he's detesting someone or when he's like disgusted or when he's <laughs> like angry or whatever. He is he's great. He's really. I'm glad that WWE has like kept him around in a prominent role. Um, I mean, Triple H probably learned from William Regal. People forget Triple H was in WCW at one point, mm-hmm. and at that time where it was Steven Regal and stunning Steve Austin and stuff like that, he didn't really do much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but he was there, and he probably learned from guys like William Regal and now you know Terry Taylor. You see those guys in NXT right now, yeah, you know. So there's no surprise by that. Um, he's also a great interview. And when I say that, I mean when I sat down and talked to him. So remember when I mentioned that I was backstage in an NXT show in like 2015? That's when I bumped into Drake Wirtz. Yeah. Not too long after that, the same day, I sat down backstage and interviewed William Regal. I believe I also interviewed Bailey and maybe somebody else. I can't remember. I don't know if it was like Rhino or Baron Corbin or something like that. I forget who it was. But definitely interviewed Bailey. But I sat down and interviewed William Regal in person while eating like food. They had food back there, so we'd hang out eating. And I could tell you, this man could talk, and it was great though. He just like seemed like he just wanted he couldn't wait to talk about wrestling. Like he loved talking about wrestling and what makes a good wrestler and stuff like that. And I wish I had more time with him. I wish I got to talk to him again, because I feel like he is a tremendous interview with a lot of insights and you know into what i guess what he's looking for in the star and when a wrestler and what also wwe is also looking for we can like to know that as well um so if anybody you know I'm, i don't know if he's done a ton of interviews um but i can tell you right now he's one of my favorite people that i talked to during my time covering pro wrestling william regal sweet so. He was dope. He was dope. And the fans loved him here tonight on Slamboree. He's, he's getting chants. I don't think I've ever heard in my life a William Regal chant or a Steven Regal chant from the, from the fans. It's very weird when you have, you know, heel Steven Regal. And I guess Ultimo Dragon's not necessarily a face because Sonny Ono's not a face. But just a weird combination. You have people, you know, yelling USA in, in the crowd. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> racism. Cool. But. Whatever. But then they started chanting his name. <laughs> Which was very, like, yeah. They probably were finally warming up to him. Probably I guess. Th- those drunk drunk fans with a brain. You know what? This Steven Regal guy is okay. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> He's all right. You know who wasn't all right, though? Sonny Ono. <laughs> when he kept interfering in the match, kicking William Regal. Pip squeak. Yeah, kick William Regal a couple of times. Well, Steven Regal. Keep calling him William Regal. Steven uh, Regal. Yeah. This night. Listen, it's going to happen. Just Regal. <laughs> it's going to happen. Call him Regal. Yeah. Kept kicking Regal. Ultimo Dragon, though, didn't like it. He's like, hey, stop that. Don't do that because I want to win this match. But Sonny Ono did it again. Just kicking uh, Steven Regal. Mm-mm. 
Dragon stopped him again. But this time, Ono had enough. He said, oh, no. I'm about to kick you in the back of the head. <laughs> and that's what he did. <laughs> you feel me on that? Tip your waitresses, please. <laughs> so he kicks Dragon in the back of the head. Regal kicks Dragon in the back of the head. And then Regal locks Dragon in the Regal stretch to pick up the win. And a big pop from the fans to boot. But this was I, I enjoyed this match, though. It was a great opener, uh, like WCW had, you know, back then. Uh, their openers were always great. Uh, Regal, can't go wrong with him. Ultimate Dragon was great. I think this was the, where the TV title changed hands a lot. Because, like, Regal lost it in February to Prince Iakea. And I guess Iakea lost it to Dragon. Oh, we talked um, about that, right? Yeah. With yeah. Super Brawl? Yeah. And uh, it might have been before that. And then Iakea was the champion heading into Super Brawl and, like, kept the belt, which is just strange. But <laughs> well, <it's very> <laughs> uh, Regal finally gets the TV title back, and it's just kind of you know I remember watching this, uh, or at least you know him having the TV title again, and uh, just being like, oh, this William Regal guy. But I definitely appreciate him now, and uh, it was a good choice to have him win. Uh, it's just a funny character, like looking at it now, obviously funny, but then like you know people just hated him, and. Uh, I guess got to put the TV title back on him. I don't know. Four-time yeah. TV champ. It it, it was it, I, that type of title was great for that like mid cards, lower tier mid card because Stephen Regal was never like even U.S. champion, never in the main event, and that's why I like the TV title because I think you have those two mid card titles. I mean, it makes sense. You have one for the upper mid card, then you have one for the lower mid card, and the TV title was always the lower mid card to me. And, you know, sometimes they did put it on more established talent. You know, even Scott Steiner as Big Papa Pump was TV champion. I mean, it wasn't necessarily always given to lower tier talent, but uh, I always enjoyed it because it made, like, to me, you know, WCW made the titles matter. So, you know, if you were a champion, you mattered. And, you know, they had that TV title. TV title match could have been every week, you know, even on Saturday night if it wasn't on Nitro or Thunder by the time Thunder came, so it was all or WCW Pro or Worldwide. You know they had the champion went everywhere. You know they had TV title matches everywhere, so that was cool. They had a lot of TV, so <laughs> it made sense. Had a lot of TV, so William Regal, Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> Regal, <laughs> Mister Regal, four four time TV champion on this night. Moving on. So one and only women's match of the show, Luna Vachon and Medusa. Stagger Lee Marshall joined the commentary team. And this match was also very good. Like for a women's match in the 90s in WCW or WWF, this was a good match. And, and the commentary was on point too, I think. It was. You know, it was very different. Nobody's and getting called a bimbo or yeah. ugly or nothing like that. Yeah, and uh, I think... I think it was Lee Marshall that was saying, uh, you know, made a good point. That these are women that want to be known as great athletes, not just great women athletes. And I was like, oh, my God, we're having this conversation in 1997. But, like, it, did, it felt like I never saw that back then. And I, I was, like, so surprised well, you, to hear you him say that, you know. And it's like nothing came of it. You know, you could say it, whatever, but we're still in 2021. Is you know, women are still fighting for equality in terms of sports and just in general in society. And you know, him saying that, you know, women, these women don't want to be known as great 
women athletes. They want to be known as great athletes. It was just like, you know, perfect. Yeah, you didn't see matches like this too much in the American promotions. You you know, you go to Japan, you see some great matches from the women, but here in the States, they just didn't give a damn about women's wrestling for the mm-hmm. most part. I mean, even WCW, eventually they wouldn't have too many women's matches. They didn't have a women's division at various points. It's just it's just how it was in the 90s, unfortunately. Things have changed in every promotion, with the exception, I guess, New Japan. New Japan doesn't have a women's promotion, but like every major American promotion has a women's division. Mm-hmm. They have a women's championship, a title, you know, they have multiple uh, wrestlers in that division, and like it's just one like attraction. It's like, you know, if you're independent, you probably have three or four, but if you're AEW, you got like 20, you know, <laughs> like they got a lot. Um, so it's good that things have progressed. They've still got ways to go, obviously. Yeah. Uh, from even, you know, AEW, WWE, all of them, but... Uh, it's nice to see that things have progressed from this, where this match probably wouldn't be like a, a match to remember these days. But back in the 90s, it was like, whoa, look at Medusa and Luna Vashon. I mean, you see that clothesline that Luna took from Medusa? Like, she knocked the damn head off. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, whoa, this is, damn, that was dope. But uh, at the end of the day, Medusa defeats Luna Vashon, I believe, with a... Was it a German suplex? A German bridge? suplex, yeah. It was like a. Yeah. She, you know, she didn't grip the hands on the waist, but she kind of just rolled it so she made sure, her, you know, her shoulders were on the mat and her Medusa's shoulders were off. A little interesting. Intricate. We didn't detail. have to finish. That was different. We didn't have to finish from uh, what was that? Beware dog last week. <laughs> the referee just counts one pair of shoulders, and it's a guy who did the hold. Medusa was thinking one year ago, Shawn Michaels got screwed, so I'm going to make sure my shoulders are. <laughs> Not gonna happen to me. <laughs> Not gonna happen to me though. Uh, By the I way, told... score update: Sixers are winning after the yeah. first quarter, like 35-24, I believe. Yeah, so it's like we're, a 12, to, we're up to a good start. Eleven or twelve point game, yeah. So yeah, we're good off stuff. to a good start here good with the Sixers but, uh, after one quarter. Yeah, I totally forgot Ludo was in like wrestling at this point in WCW, and she didn't last very much longer. But I was just like, wow, I, they just didn't highlight them as much as they could have. And uh, no, it wasn't a it wasn't a long match, but it was it was a nice, it was a cool match, you know. Yeah, it wasn't boring or it. anything. It wasn't boring. Two great athletes going at it. It wasn't you know some cat fight something like that. It was a real wrestling match. Yes, and I appreciate that. Uh, moving on though, we got Mean Gene hocking that hotline yet again. <laughs> only for the first time tonight, he will be back again talking about yeah. stirring up the dirt on the hotline. But Talks, uh, before he can. Get Go ahead. And I was going to say, it talks about an interim change in talent coordination. You know what that was about? Uh, off the top of my head, I do not. I kind of looked it up, so I cheated. But okay. uh, it was uh, Kevin Sullivan getting temporarily re- removed as the booker. Oh. Yeah, replaced the, by, yeah. was it? Was I don't it even remember Nash? who he replaced. I don't <laughs> think at this point. I don't think, yeah, I don't think so neither. Oh, so, that's, good. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. How about yeah. that? Well, well with that, you could if you, you know, if you called the hotline, you would have known that, you know. Right. Twenty. I, I was not calling the hotline. Twenty some years ago. <laughs> I was not asking my mom's permission to call the hotline back in 1997. You know, my favorite uh, part, by the way, during that women's match, uh, they plugged WCWWrestling.com. That <laughs> really, like all commentary said about it was, you know, you can go to WCWWrestling.com. Things are happening. <laughs> you know, they didn't really like tell they you. They didn't know what the hell to talk about. 
<laughs> they know what to talk about when it comes to a website. Go on there. The act. I remember them saying that the action's all there. The action continues. <laughs> yeah, like, like what action, bro? Like, like watch people it, can barely yeah. watch. People can barely watch videos on this thing. <laughs> My dial-up modem can't handle that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Action. You got a bunch of photos that take three minutes to up to, to download. Yeah. yeah. For me to actually look at, and that's it. So, there you go. <laughs> but <laughs> during Mean Jeans. Uh, hotline ad. We get the macho man Randy mm. Savage Mm-mm. coming out to the ring with Elizabeth. He tells Gene to get out of here. Uh huh. <laughs> and he, weren't you in WWF as Gene Oakland? <laughs> that's, just, that's still my name. That's still me. <laughs> oh, man. That's still that's me, sweet. sir. That's I'm sweet. right here. <laughs> What happened to your beard? I never had one. What are you talking about? Uh huh. So those were disguising, huh? <laughs> when Savage comes out, he heads to the ring and starts tra- trash talking Diamond Dallas Page. And while he's talking, DDP comes out through the crowd with a crutch. Apparently, it's the same crutch that he got beat up with not too long before this show. But he kept it, as I guess, as a keepsake. <laughs> he comes to the ring with it, and as soon as he hits the ring, Savage leaves. Are you kidding? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for Are interrupting you. Are you watching the Sixers game right now? No, I'm watching the Phillies. The Phillies oh. on my other screen. Their third catcher just got a ball to the nuts, and he's down. They're on their like oh, emergency man. backup catch. Oh my! I, uh, I'm sorry. So you better head down to the stadium, bro, and like, you can start get your gear on, start catching. Well, they're in Miami, so I don't think I can make oh, it. Oh well, I don't think I can make it tonight. Strike up the private jet. <laughs> the red eye. weren't you a catcher when you back I in was. the day? I was. Yeah. This is your time, bro. Yeah. Yeah, and Andrew Knapp, their backup, got hurt. JT Real Muto's on the IL. So I don't know who this is, honestly, but. Uh, <laughs> Because I, you know, I haven't been watching, but then I looked over and he's doubled over. We're gonna get a emergency catcher at some point. Oh my god, I don't believe this. It's your time, Nick. <laughs> All right, time. I'll be right back. Go ahead. Thirty-five year old catcher coming out there right now. Oh man, I don't think I can even <laughs> squat down. <laughs> I'll just stand Look. up. <laughs> <laughs> just stand. I'm like umpire, Every- just move over there a little bit. <laughs> Every ball, yeah, you got to stand back so this ball can cross the strike zone. And <laughs> say that every ball is going to be a ball. Like, every pitch is going to be a ball. I'm going to wear a hockey but, You know, you got to back up. And he has to back up so the ball can cross the strike zone. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Look at him water now. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that sucks, though, man. I, dude, feel, man. I feel bad for this person. Live sports. It's We've just all like, been there. Yeah. It, all it, been there. Like, bun it right, damn it. Just went right down, <laughs> right into the cup. I mean, mm. oh, he got hit. He got hit a second time. Oh, or was no. that somebody else? Jeez. Uh, they just showed a replay, but obviously I have it on mute. So I, I can't. I don't know if it was the same guy or not. But, oh, man. man, Phillies baseball, man. Always something. That's tough. There's always something. <laughs> oh, that, might be, that, might, that might be Nap. I don't know. Back to Slambury 1997, yeah. <laughs> though. We got Savage bailing in the ring, bailing out of the ring when DDP shows up. And then DDP cuts a scathing promo Randy Savage. Said he's pretty much Hulk Hogan's lackey. You, you better uh, wash his car and kiss his ass, huh? Did he, 
hear what Heenan said after that. What you, I mean, he said, like, it's true. Something he, like that. He, he said, I'd rather wash the car. <laughs> <laughs> Just like classic Bobby Heenan where like I'd you're not expecting, you know, anyone to really respond. You're gonna, you're waiting for DDP to kind of end the promo, but you have that Heenan line, I'd rather wash the car. Like just <laughs> cracked me up. That's funny. You know what else cracked me up is Savage all of a sudden being like, you know what? I'm going to finish this right now. Everybody <laughs> brought the wave, brother. He kept saying, brother. <laughs> oh, did you hear him, what he called Vincent? He called him Virgil. He, did. he said Virgil. <laughs> he called him Virgil. <laughs> Virgil, watch out there, brother. I cracked up. <laughs> like, dude, that's funny. He's Virgil the rest of his life. Like, if you're, He's been in WCW for a while now. Like, It's not like Macho forgot his name was like. He knows his name's Vincent, but he just called him Virgil. No. Virgil is a is a bad name by itself. At least it's kind of unique. Vincent is just trash. <laughs> like, come on, Vincent. Hey, that's my nephew's name. For a re- he's not is he a pro wrestler in the nineteen nineties? <laughs> in world championship wrestling. Good save. Good save. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. You yeah, probably don't. Yeah. You call him Vincent? Do you call him Vinny? Uh, he he goes by Vincent, so I don't call oh. him Vinny at all. Yeah. I'll wait till he's old enough to kind of like let me know what he wants Change me to do. Yeah. Change it up on him. <laughs> yeah, uh, savage. I just watched the Lytro where Vincent debuts and he, there were so many people calling him Vince. They were just saying, Vince, get out here, you know? So I thought he was going to yeah. go by Vince, but nope, they called him Vince. They stuck with Vincent. Vincent. <laughs> yeah, so Savage calls him Virgil on this night, though. Get out the way, brother. <laughs> he kept saying, brother. Right? Yeah. And then he walks to the ring talking trash. Yep, this is it. I'm going to beat you up. As soon as he gets in that ring, DDP starts wailing on his ass with that crutch. Like he didn't expect it. Like, what, like, what did you expect to happen? <laughs> I mean, he hit him like six times. Boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> like, Savage couldn't get off the ground. He hit like four times with this thing. And then Buff Bagwell jumps in and he gets hit. And then Vincent jumps in and he gets hit. And then Scott Norton finally slowed him down a little bit, but the Giant came out to help DDP to even up, I guess even up the odds, because it's like the Giant and somebody else versus five people. It's like the odds are even at that point. Um, so, yep, that's that segment. But we got to have a little chat about our boy Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Hmm. Because Buff was not the stuff in Cobb County, Georgia recently. He got arrested for a, a slew of things. Hmm. But, you know, Big Boss Man is always serving hard time down in Cobb County. This this wasn't kayfabe, though. This is real. So, apparently, both Bagwell was driving his 2007 Saab in Cobb County when he struck another driver from behind at an intersection which is, you know, that's bad enough. But oh, then geez. he made matters worse by driving off and leaving the scene. So that's hit and run. That's one charge. Uh, the other driver, the, the victim, I guess, in this case, followed Bagwell two miles before he finally stopped. <laughs> in the midst of the stop, though, and the cops came and questioning people, the cops found out that he had an outstanding warrant from August 2020. Oh, no. What? Yeah. Well, just what? like another crash type incident. Where 
Yeah, in that crash, he was apparently on prescription medication, and he crashed, and when he did crash, I should say, he broke his ribs, his right hip, his left socket bone, nose, and right groin muscle. So, the 2021 crash, he's been charged with a hit and run, giving false information to law enforcement, an open container, that's a no-no, and following too closely and licensed to be carried and exhibited on command. All of which are misdemeanors. So he, he bonded out of jail that night. But this ain't over, obviously. He's got a court date, July 22nd. That's for the 2020 incident. But the very next day, he's back in court again for the 2021 incident. So, both back well in trouble. That is not the stuff. That is not the stuff. It's not Buff neither. He's, he's Marcus Alexander again after that. I don't know what's going on there. Hope everything is. is he's hope he's in a good headspace, good mental state. But he's got to, he got to, he's got to deal with some stuff there. He got to take care of some business here. Get stuff out of this trouble he's in. But um, but yeah, yeah that's all his, that. Uh, seeing his mugshot, like, man. Hopefully he gets, doesn't look great. He gets help. Doesn't look great. Doesn't look like the guy we saw on this show. No. Well, you I mean hey, that's going to happen after twenty four <laughs> years, but twenty three years, I should say. Right now it's ninety seven, so twenty four years. Uh, things yeah. will change. Yeah. But you know, things are a little different now. But it's moving on to Rey Mysterio versus Yuji Yasuoroka. Say that three times. I, I'm not. <laughs> uh, Yasuoroka. I believe. Yasuo, they said it on the y- show. Yasuoroka is what I... Yasuoroka. There you go. Yeah. They said it on the show. And I, I was like, oh, I got to remember how they said that because I don't yeah. want to mess it up on the podcast. And I still <laughs> mess it up on the podcast. <laughs> you didn't mess it up. I I wrote in uh, parentheses kind of like how I heard it. So that just helps. How um, do you say it again? Yasuoroka. At least that's what I heard. Yasuoroka. Okay. Yasuoroka. I can say that. And uh, I believe they... I don't remember if they mentioned it on or if it was something I read. It was like, I'm just going to call him UG from now on. But I don't know if they said his last name after that entrance. I think they did a couple times. Okay. So um, that maybe it was whatever I read. Because I, yeah. I looked up how to spell the name even though they had it on the screen. I'm, I'm just weird. So <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, these, both of these guys were really young in this match. Ray was 22. I mean, we talked about it before how young he was, and he's a superstar already. Yuji's only 26. I mean, for WCW standards, they were like children because those guys were pretty much those guys are pretty old. But even in wrestling, that's still like really young. I mean, they were combined yeah. 48. That was pretty much Hulk Hogan by that point. <laughs> like, I mean, let's come on. I do remember. Yeah, he was like 45 at this point. Hogan was because. Uh, in August, he would turn like forty six or something, because he had the same birth month as my mother, and it was in the paper. It was like in the paper his birthday. It's like what the hell? He, he's a big deal, bro. Well, <laughs> what else to say? In, in like a Philly paper, do we really need to know it's uh, Hulk Hogan's I birthday? Mean, he stole out the spectrum a bunch of times, so maybe yeah, I don't know. Whatever. He was in W though, <laughs> man. Come on. <laughs> well, whatever. They- uh, did they did they come to Philly? They came to Philly in WCW at some point, right? Yeah, but I don't know if it was in August or July. No. It was like that. Yeah, yeah, so. No. It but, was like right before Road Wild, too. Mm. So. We, we get Ray Mysterio's entrance, and we get his 
oh so trash ass music. I don't. I know we talked about it before. I still don't understand why they gave Ray Mysterio a remix version of Dean Malenko's music, essentially. When this is super exciting, colorful, vibrant character gets just very serious and stoic ass music, like he's marching to battle. Like, what the hell is this? Why did they, y'all do this to him? They never seem to want to like shell out money for original music unless it was just paying the rights uh, for stuff that. Oh no, Tobias Harris got hurt. What? He's limping. Oh. And he already signaled. Um. Well, uh, but yeah, Bischoff had mentioned that uh, they would use music from the Turner Library a lot. That's how, like where the NWO music came from and everything. So they would they wouldn't pull a Tony Khan and you know buy the rights t- to songs. They only did it for that Hulk Hogan. Uh, oh man, he's going to the back. That does not look good. Well, he's uh, running on it at least. Um. He. Uh, oh yeah, you're probably behind me, aren't you? Yeah, I'm watching. On, yeah, but well, at least he, at least he can walk on it, put some weight on it. That's promising, mm. I guess. But still, <laughs> but, uh, not a great sign because he's probably our best scorer right now. Yeah, besides Joel Embiid, so yeah. not good. No, not no, not, not a good sight. No, <laughs> it's like great every single. It's like ugh, always an injury. Damn it, always. Um, For real, but yeah, it's like come on, why not buy the rights to music or stuff like that or come up with something cool like there were some like turner music library themes that were good that i liked but you know i didn't even think of mysterious theme as like a remix of malenko's but now i kind of hear it in my head (laughs) this trash (laughs) for ray mysterio trash for him yeah so i hated it so much and he was well, like this a multi-time match, cruiserweight champion at this point. Like he, people right. knew people knew who Rey Mysterio was at this point. So you know, I mean, they eventually got him some more exciting music, but not, for some reason, didn't happen at this point. Ninety-seven, yeah, you know, it's their best year. Come on, <laughs> in my opinion. But I mean, I think that's a lot of people's opinion. It was that was creatively probably WCW's peak. Yeah, and they were still bit of the NWO stuff, and then of course you got the Sting stuff going on. You know, there's a lot going on in WCW. A lot of good stuff going on Yep. in WCW. Including this match. This match is pretty good. You know, it's a good yeah. match. Uh, Mike Tanay at one point mentioned that Yuji and uh, Lance Storm were partners in Japan. Mm-hmm. I believe from, uh, for war yep. in Japan. And that Lance Storm was also Chris Jericho's partner at Smoky Mountain. So that's like, oh, he had connections here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Storm wasn't in WCW yet, though. He's no. still in ECW in 97. He didn't get to WCW until 2000. So I'm kind of surprised they even mentioned him on TV. Me too. And I, I mean, if he, yeah, I guess because RVD faced him at Barely Legal in April at the ECW pay-per-view. So I was trying to put the timeline together, and I was like, oh, maybe this was before Lance Storm joined uh, ECW at least. But no, it was after. I was kind of like surprised mm-hmm. by that. And uh you know, obviously Bobby Heenan, <laughs> Lance Storm, sounds like a weatherman from Omaha. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weatherman from Omaha. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's kind of true, I guess. I mean, <laughs> his name is Lance Storm. Sounds like a gimmicky weatherman. You got Glenn Hurricane Swartz and you got Lance right. Storm. Yeah. Oh, Bobby. Too funny. 
But how about that? Yeah, uh, today today's on commentary. You had an extra commentator in like the first four matches. Kind of interesting right. how they did that. But I didn't really like hate it. No, it wasn't like yeah, it definitely they don't didn't take away. The whole time. Yeah, exactly. Like WWF tells the announcers to argue and all that stuff, and it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. But in WCW, they called it like an actual match. They called it mm-hmm. match, I should say. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm still a proponent of only two people in the booth. Like I, I don't understand wrestling's fixation with having three people in the booth. I don't understand it. It's not necessary. WWE does in all of its shows. Uh, AEW does it pretty much on at least on Dynamite every week, and I think they do it on they do it on Dark too. I know um, uh, Excalibur calls a show with Taz. I'm not sure if it's with somebody else, but they definitely do it on Dynamite. Which again, I don't think you need three people on every television show, man. Like it's all right, just do two. Like the best announced tandems are just two people for the most part. You look at football games for the most part, two people. It's Chris Mac- Collinsworth and now Michaels. It's great. Like, I'm fine with that. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Let's let's rock. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do it from there. Just that. It's all you really need. But did who am I? Did SmackDown ever have like a three man booth? Or uh, three person booth, I should say. I, so that it doesn't now, right? More. It's only Pat McAfee and no, Michael Cole, yeah. right? Uh, and I'm trying to think of like. If it oh, ever that's a did question. have a three-man. It's crazy. I might have tuned person. out SmackDown's commentary so long. <laughs> I didn't even realize they've had a two-man booth for a while. Because they had Michael Cole and um, Corey Graves. Yeah. And and that was it. it. You know, it'd be like JBL coming in and Mick Foley coming in. But I still think it was a two, two-person two booth at that point. I don't yeah. think there were like three people maybe, there. Like. Maybe Fox was like, why do y'all have three people here? Get them out. You only need two. <laughs> Fox is <laughs> trying to, to improve the wrestling biz. Right, Again, maybe that's I didn't three-person even, booth. I didn't I mean, even think NXT about NXT has like, it too. It's like, come on, man. Right? Why? I didn't even think about the fact that SmackDown has had a two-person booth for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I just tuned yeah. out the commentary to that extent. I'm yeah. like, all right, nope, don't even want to listen to it. That. And then, I like Pat McAfee. Don't get me wrong, I'm a Pat McAfee guy. It's just WWE's commentary, man. Plus, a lot of times when I'm watching SmackDown. Not gonna lie, I'm playing Among Us with my daughter a lot too, so I'm ha- kind of half paying <laughs> yeah, attention. Yeah, <laughs> Among Us, a great game, by the way. It's a great, very fun game. My daughter is terrible at lying in the game, um, which makes it very I easy that for me. A couple times in school, you know, with our in math class, we we have that. When, when she's an imposter, so. you know it right away. <laughs> like, well, it's like, she well, she like giggles. <laughs> She might giggle or she might be like, hey, uh, come watch me do this task. Make sure I'm safe. And that's when, like, first time I fell for that. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then she killed me, right? I was like, what? Wow. My own, it'd be your own people. So I'm like, I'm not following you no more, Gabby. Like, I'm not doing it. Like, no, you're not sucking me into this time. I don't trust you. Come watch me do this task. There's killing in there? There's killing? What's that? There's killing in there? Yeah. We, oh, oh, like in the school version, we just vote people off a ship. What? No, people get <laughs> murdered in Among Us. Oh, wow. They tamed it for y'all? <laughs> well, yeah. It's, you know, in school, man. In middle school. It's we pretty, can't be having murders the, and stuff. The deaths are actually pretty grisly. I didn't oh, know man. that. That's fascinating. <laughs> like, if you kill somebody, you can, like, shoot somebody. You can stab him up, like, a bunch wow. of times. <laughs> That's you just you. vote him. But how do they... 
How do you? So, what do they do to like be an imposter? Though? Like, what do they do? So you're, I guess, when we're starting the math problems or whatever. This is through like a, a different website. So it's not like the actual oh. Among Us. It's like made after Among Us or whatever. So this is fascinating. We, you know, start and you're told whether you're part of the crew or the imposter. So you right. know, like right before it starts or whatever, that we get to the math problems and we're doing it. And after you get seven right you can call you can like uh investigate somebody so you pick who you investigate and they'll tell you whether it's inconclusive or whether uh they're not an imposter like they'll so, basically tell you this is not an imposter like so they don't do anything to make themselves an imposter it's just like correct somebody they're, is the imposter and that's it right like as the game's that's, starting they it's just randomized oh, and man. uh yeah yeah so i mean i guess the teacher it can do a certain thing to where she can make someone the imposter, but I think it's pretty much randomized for what we yeah, do. Yeah, in, in every, every game so. is randomized. I've had games where I was like the imposter like four times in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you frustrated. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, and, you know, eventually if you're inconclusive twice, the, the teacher can call in uh, a vote if... And they can see, too, like if you investigate somebody, it'll be like, you know, Nick investigates Tyler or whatever. <laughs> And, That's uh, wild. Though. If they're inconclusive twice, you, teacher usually calls like a vote, and then we'll vote however we want. Sometimes we vote off a crew member. Whoops! Uh, but most of the time, we've gotten the imposters out. Sometimes there are two. So yeah, That's it's, fun. Funny. it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, play the real Among Us. It's actually a really fun game, <laughs> and you get to kill people. Is it available <laughs> like on mobile? I don't have. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's oh, on okay. mobile. Oh, okay. Go to the mobile store, you know, the iPhone store, or whatever, and yeah, just type in Among Us. It's great. Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. So you <laughs> right. come over one day and we'll play together. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, news flash here: Sixers game again. Tobias is back in the game. Tobias Harris. Oh, so thank that's goodness. good news. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> it's become a Sixers and Among Us podcast here on Slam Three Nineteen Ninety Seven. Um, back to Slamboree, by the way. Uh, Mysterio won the match. So, moving on from that. <laughs> Listen, uh, oh, wait, I had one note. He did a split-bit legged moonsault. He caught the cameraman, which is funny. And, like They always had funny. the cameraman up on that little table near the turnbuckles. I always enjoyed that, but it seems bad when you kind of limit what the wrestlers could do when you have someone in that space. But uh, And then <laughs> Rey Mysterio, he wins, and then he... he Points to the camera and it's like no Japanese is going to come here and intimidate Mexican and American wrestling. It's like oh, oh is this we're a, the best? Is this like, a babyface promo? Like what the hell is the heel promo? I mean, like what the hell? anything that's anti foreigner is a babyface thing in wrestling uh, promotions true. apparently, especially like, in that. Era. You know that just works. But, Look at Cody and in, in a go go. Oh God, a go go is a villain because he's from the UK. Oh. Our, our, our actual allies in real life, they. Do you think uh, Tony Khan's going to buy the rights to Proud to be an American? Also, they own a team in the UK. Oh, yeah, soccer team, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they own a team. Mm. They, got, they own a soccer team. Oh, boy. So, yep. <laughs> Moving weird. on, though. Very weird. <laughs> Moving on, though. We got... <laughs> Moving on to... Complete and utter nonsense. <laughs> Glacier versus Mortis. We've never talked yes. about Glacier in our deep dives. There's a reason. Gotta for talk that. about it. Uh, now. Do we have to? Yes. Are you sure about that? For those that don't know, 
Glacier was the inspiration of, well, he was a character they created pretty much based off of Mortal Kombat. And for those who don't know, Mortal Kombat, to this day, is one of the best fighting games of all time. It's my personal favorite fighting game ever. I still will say it's better than Street Fighter, in my opinion. I know Brian Isley, the third man, would disagree with that. And that's fine. Street Fighter is a great game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I just personally love Mortal Kombat. I grew up playing that game. Uh, in the mid-90s, Mortal Kombat was at, I mean, arguably its peak. I mean, it just coming out of the arcades. It's going into home consoles. And people were going crazy over it because it was the violence. The digitized <laughs> characters and the over-the-top violence. Which was responsible for the ERSRB being invented. Because uh, like we got to kind of like have like a... A ratings board for these video games. It got people ripping people's hearts out, and the kid can buy it. That can't happen. So the ESRB exists because of Mortal Kombat. So you see that M for mature, or E for everyone. Thank Mortal Kombat for that. Uh, oh, there you go. Not Super Mario. They didn't rip nobody's hearts out in Super Mario, and rip somebody's spine out, something like that. That's the only video game thing I have. So I gotta add. I definitely have to add more. You do like uh, some Mortal Kombat stuff. Finish him. I definitely got exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, Mortal Kombat arguably at its peak in the mid '90s. They even made a movie in '95, which is a great movie. Still, probably the best video game movie of all time. The only other movie in competition is the most recent Mortal Kombat movie that came out in 2021, <laughs> which I thought was great. So, <laughs> the two best video game movies of all time are Mortal Kombat. Not Street Fighter. That movie was garbage, even though I like Jean-Claude. I'll give you a guess as to if I see these movies. You have not, which is a crying shame. Correct, correct. You should have at least seen the most recent Mortal Kombat on, uh, what is it, on HBO Max? Why would I watch that? Why not? I got a Practical Jokers here. And Mayor of Easttown. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Practical Jokers. What do I need Mortal Kombat for? Mayor Mayor of Easttown, too. That's good. Oh, great show. I've been watching that as well. Can't wait for the, the last episode. Yes. Yeah, can't wait. But um, one thing that annoys you have me theories? about shows like that, Do you have though, theories? Oh, uh, theories about who did it? Yes. Or who did what? Like, yes. Because I know who did the murder. Oh. We know. Who, oh, so I'm up to the last episode. Are you well, up to the last episode? Well, the last episode airs this Sunday. So. Right. Yes, I'm, I'm caught up, but. Okay, I'm I, not. So I'm not convinced. I should say there was a. Con- so. You're not convinced. So the Correct. confession you don't think was. I'm, con- I'm convinced. I think it's not a real confession. So oh, we'll definitely wow. have to talk That's about this. We'll have to talk about this off. Uh, yeah, talk about this off. Yeah, That's interesting. Theories. Though yeah. I want to want to hear your theory. Uh, but <laughs> back to back to Mortal Kombat. So we can get <laughs> this back is just to all night. <laughs> right. Uh, of course, Mortal Kombat again, very popular video game. Like I said, so Eric Bischoff and company see this and like, hey, let's do that. <laughs> pro wrestling in the middle of like the nwo you know I, it was around the same time by the way the nwo started but they were already airing promos for glacier coming in so this is like glacier's first real rivalry that extended yeah. you know like what mortis and all that so uh, we're, we're like not even well, a little less than a year into his wcw run so right of course glacier crazy. based off the character of sub-zero in Mortal Kombat, one of the two most popular characters in the history of that game. Um, and the character was played. Wow, that was incredible play by Joel Embiid. And he does the suck it thing on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
which the Young Buck stole from the from DX. <laughs> it stole from a lot from DX and NWO. And th- the fact that they're passing that off as their gimmick is they just steal stuff. That, that's great. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's not, not your gimmick. That's a 20-year-old gimmick. Uh, but, no, I'm saying, like, I think, or at least from what I see now, it's like their gimmick is just stealing stuff. Like, they're oh, transparent okay, about right. it. Like, it's just, hey, yeah, we stole it. They do the, I, I'm sorry, I love you thing during the match. Yeah, that, that was pretty it's funny. Like, you thought that was funny? I thought that was kind of funny, actually. I, I mean, like, <laughs> I it is. Like, I'm not, you know, get off my lawn type about it, but I'm just like, okay. Like, I don't hate it, but I don't like it. It's just whatever. It, yeah, it's not. It's it doesn't not leave an impression on me. So, yeah. That particular moment was kind of funny, though. <laughs> but, um, again, Glacier based off of Sub Zero. Do we have to talk about Glacier? Like, I'll bring up something else. What do you think about Fry? Right. <laughs> right. You don't want to talk about Glacier, apparently. Just say you don't want to talk about Glacier, then. Just say that. Instead of talking about, about Mayor of Easttown. Mortis, Mortis slammed his damn face into the steel steps. That was awesome. Right, but you want to talk about Mayor of Easttown. You want to talk about uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the Young Bucks. Anything else but Glacier. <laughs> right, you got your th- but I got my theories, though, about Mayor of Easttown. That's right. Who murdered that person's dirter, you know? You know the, the Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about that skit. That SNL was an all-timer, by the way. It and like it made me want to watch the show. Yeah. Key, Key Michael Keegan. <laughs> murder, He's the man. Murder, murder. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, those accents are kind of authentic, even though it sounds funny for Kate Winslet to do, like, hoagie and go home. <laughs> those are real accents. People don't call stuff Wawa coffee, though. You just call it coffee. Yeah. yeah. And we, <laughs> People just eat cheesesteaks all the time in the show. It's, it's funny. I find it funny. <laughs> yeah. um, that's all they eat. <laughs> just cheese sticks. Um, All right, but, <laughs> on to the Malenko and Jeff chart. <laughs> no, 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 we gotta finish this. We gotta finish this. It's Mortis comes out. He's with James Vandenberg, who's better known as James Mitchell, or to ECW fans, Sinister Minister. Uh, he was played by the late Chris Canyon, late great Chris Canyon. Oh, I forgot to say, Ray. The character of Glacier is played by Ray Lloyd, who was like a legit martial artist. So that's why he kind of fit the character. Uh, they, he played football at one point at Valdosta State with Jesse Tuggle, who played for the Falcons. Tuggle? So, yeah, T-U-G-G-L-E. He's what a, a great... Pl- what a name. He's a great player, a great linebacker back in the day for the Falcons when he, was, uh, when he went to that first Super Bowl uh, in, the, in the 90s. He was on that team. That sounds X-rated. <laughs> and his son plays in the CFL right now, Justin Tuggle. So, how about that? <laughs> can they change the um, last name? Jeez. <laughs> Jeez they, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Tuggle. It's all right. Look, take it easy. All right, this is, we're not. It's not shooters after dark here. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we're recording this sooner than we usually do. So, right, <laughs> it's not dark yet. <laughs> um, but of course, like I said, Mortis played by Chris Canyon. Even though Mortis, I don't think was based off of a Mortal Kombat character. Uh, his mask kind of looked like Shao Kahn's mask, helmet sort of. I don't know. Uh, eventually, Wrath comes out. He's based off no one. He's just Wrath. He's just a white guy <laughs> named Wrath. <laughs> like, just a white man named Wrath. And he comes out during the match, jumps in the ring, beats the hell out of Mortis. Not Mortis, Glacier. <laughs> Glacier wins by DQ. And then Wrath and Mortis commence to whooping Glacier's ass for like <laughs> 10 minutes, it felt like. I mean, they just capped it on. <laughs> I mean, they just did not stop. Whooping. Poor Glacier's ass. It's not a Glacier anymore. It's an ice cube at this point. 
<laughs> they definitely, uh, it was like they were the Titanic, but the glacier didn't pierce them. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. It was like the Titanic won that one. Damn. Too soon? Titanic had a <laughs> hundred years too soon. <laughs> there was racist on that boat, though, so I'm not that actually. <laughs> a lot of racist on there. Kept all the black people in third Probably class. All Probably all of them. But I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but they had somebody's racist. Put all the black people in third class, man. <laughs> Speaking of Mary Beast Town, <laughs> she was on the Titanic. <laughs> she was. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And there was plenty of room on that damn raft for for my man. What was his name? Um, Jack and Leonardo Jack, the captain. Right. Yeah, man. There's plenty of room in that raft, bro. Unbelievable. He just froze to death for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what a shame. It's like Rose. What the hell is going on here? Right, what the hell? Rose, move over. <laughs> Got room. <laughs> you gonna spread your legs out on here? <laughs> this man is about to die. Oh, he did. He's not about to die. He's dead now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What a great movie that was. Yeah. Not a great movie. It's like a ridiculous movie, I guess. I don't know. It, was, it, was, it won a bunch of Oscars. I enjoyed it. I watched yeah, it in it was, the theaters. That was one of the few that I've watched in theaters. I, did. I, I watched it in the theaters, too. My mom took me to see Titanic for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You saw, you saw her boobs then. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think that, that wasn't anticipated, but that's what happened. Yeah. And it was around this time frame. It was like 97. I don't remember the exact month, but wow. I went yeah, in 97. Like so, yeah. You know what else I didn't see coming? Ernest, Ernest and Cat just <laughs> jumping in the ring, yeah. looking like a SmackDown referee, <laughs> and whooping everybody's ass at Glacier. He was doing spin kicks and jump kicks, and people were probably like, who the hell is this guy? Looking and it's like crazy to think that he's like a comedy referee. character. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Uh. But he's like, people forget he's a legit martial artist as well. He's like a kickboxing yeah. champion. Yeah. He's legit badass. You didn't want to mess with Ernest Miller. And but he was like hilarious at the same time. <laughs> like he, was, he couldn't he could not be funny, even though he was like a legit badass. But that's just how that go. But I also forgot that Ernest Miller was in the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. He was like mm. not really the villain in the story. He's a villain like that. Randy the Ram had gone up against. He was the, the Ayatollah, you know. That was his character, a wrestling persona. He's like the Iron Sheik, essentially. So he was the Iron Sheik to Randy the Ram. Was like his Hulk Hogan, so to speak. So I have not seen that. that movie. So yeah, it's it's a good movie. From, I haven't I haven't seen it in a long long time, but from mm. what I remember, it's a good movie. So interesting. The wrestler Mickey Rourke. Up next, though, we got the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. We got Jeff Jarrett challenging the man of a thousand holes, Dean Malenko. Not much from this match. <laughs> I uh, saw, like, yeah. it was a good match. It wasn't like it was bad. It just didn't you know, really stick out to me. You know what I spent about a half hour looking up and just quit? It was before this match started. Gene Oakland, that was when he plugged the hotline again. And he had said, a key member of WCW may be ready to hit the ropes. But then he corrected himself and said, road. I don't know what that... <laughs> right. Is he reading cue cards? Like, I don't understand, like, why you would say hit the ropes when you're 
if you knew what you were going to say. Very weird. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I looked up, like, I was trying to figure out in this time frame, like, who from WCW left, but it wasn't Jeff Jarrett. It wasn't anyone on this pay-per-view. Uh, I think Disco Inferno had already been fired at this point for not uh, agreeing to lose to Jacqueline. So he didn't come back till later. So I, I spent like a half hour looking to see like who left WCW, but I couldn't find it. So if anyone out there knows who the hell Gene Oakland was talking about, let us know. Because I'm, I'm curious if there's any recordings of the hotline out there. <laughs> that would be great. I would pay. Who recorded? Pay that. for that. And somebody like put them up on YouTube or something like that, maybe or something. And there's yeah. like recordings of the hotline. I wonder if that's the case. Um. <laughs> Damn, that'd be cool. As far as this match, yeah, this match was just like it was there. I mean, Mongo comes yeah. out, tossed Jarrett back in the ring at one point, took Deborah backstage. Deborah was kind of sad, <laughs> and then Malenko put Jarrett in the clover leaf and won the title. It kept the title, I should say. Yeah, this was strange. In hindsight, this finish was strange, given what happened later on in the night. Yeah, yeah, it was almost like it. My first reaction to after what happened later on was it was. Were they trying to misdirect? But then it just didn't make sense in the scheme of the story. Like, this was a title match. Like, you know? And the other one yeah, wasn't. So. Yeah, I didn't uh, get that. I didn't yeah. get just that whole. Definitely strange. A little strange. Also strange, this next match, a death match <laughs> with no barbed wire, no weapons, <laughs> just a match where somebody had to. Not answer a ten count or Correct. submit in order to lose. Yeah, and that's it. That was the rules of yeah, this match. I didn't understand it. it. I don't understand it. Why is this called a death match? They had a couple of these, I believe. You know, in this they era. had the one at Super Brawl with Kevin Sullivan and Crispin Wiles, a death yeah. match. At least that was there was more weapons involved in that though. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a crazy finish, and everybody's like, "Oh man!" You know, like when, when they carried out. I think it was Sullivan and Jacqueline. Yeah, uh, on the stretchers yeah. and all that. That was that was. I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. This was just like a match. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, just okay. But it also really hammers home the point of why I love Tony Schiavone on commentary. Uh, Randy Anderson's counting when Benoit's outside of the ring, and it's like no countouts. So Tony's like, oh, he's just doing it because it's ha- habit. You know, the count countouts don't. They don't happen here. Brady Anderson's just counting out a right. habit. I was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, like, and just that little thing is so credible on commentary that you're just like, okay, like Randy Anderson's clearly making a mistake or whatever, or being stupid, but <laughs> Tony covers for him. It's like, yeah. And then they did, habit. Or, but then they had rope breaks. Apparently, that was like an actual rule in the match. Like yeah. you had to break from a rope. I, I don't. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't it was it a definitely a, a almost death match, I guess. Not really, even almost. It was barely a <laughs> an iron a, a last man standing match. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was weird. It was really weird. I wrote though, for one, the fans erupted when he heard uh, the four horsemen music because this mm-hmm. is horseman country, as they say in North Carolina, yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina, to be exact. But I put like if WCW was like, let's say. They had like real shoot fights, right? Hogan wouldn't have been world champion. <laughs> Malenko wouldn't have been U.S. champion. Uh, the tag champs wouldn't have been the outsiders. It would have been Ernest Miller would have been like the heavyweight champion. 
Ming would have been like the U.S. champion, and Harlem Heat would have been the tag champs. Like, like <laughs> they would have beat everybody's ass. <laughs> Nothing nobody could do. And he's a real world champ, like Sankara was back in the day when he was beating everybody up in the locker room. So, another thing I noticed here was that Ming's hair was immaculate. <laughs> the absolute sight to behold. Again, another I guess, mullet type of haircut that I just had to marvel at. I'm yeah. not even a fan of mullets, but like I got to appreciate it at the same time. <laughs> Why did Meng look so much bigger in WCW than he did in WWF? I'll never understand that. He looked gigantic know. in WCW. Maybe the guys were smaller. It wasn't the boots. I mean, his body obviously got bigger. Uh, and I'm not saying from steroids or anything. I'm just saying like probably grow into his body. And he just looked so much bigger. It was I. I remember tuning into WCW when I first saw him, and I was like, "That's not the same guy. Like, <laughs> that's not Haku. You know, that's somebody else. Maybe it's, he has a twin brother or something." But he just looks so much bigger in WCW. Maybe the guys are yeah. shorter. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I know the ring wasn't like as big, uh, maybe even height wise. So, you know, maybe him standing on the apron the ropes are smaller maybe they're spaced out smaller so he actually just looked bigger because of the ring but i don't know know. and i noticed the in-ring noise sucked especially during this match because when they traded chops like you didn't hear a damn thing (laughs) i have a problem with that i want to hear that (laughs) apparently i didn't even notice yeah you just don't did i care you didn't like i'm so used to hearing you know chops now and like every wrestling show, but I didn't hear one during this because their in-ring sound wasn't, you know, top-notch. The the strange thing about this match was that, like, it was called a death match, so I guess it's supposed to be taken more seriously than other matches, even though there's nothing that happened in this match that was more serious than other matches. But then you got woman outside of the ring, like, screaming, like, hoping that, like, Benoit doesn't die on every move. Oh, no! God! And, like, it was, was kind of weird. I guess it's supposed to add to, like, to the severity of every move and every match. But yeah. she was just shrieking after every move and feared. And, mm-hmm. like, this, 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 this is it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. And Jacqueline came down to the ring and then stared at woman and then walked away. <laughs> just a lot of weird stuff here. And the woman mugs at the camera. It's like... Right, yeah. (laughs) I told her without saying nothing. (laughs) Uh. So it's just a weird match here. The finish comes with Benoit goes with a diving headbutt, which is always still like kind of you know awkward to watch nowadays. Mm -hmm. Still, given you know the fact how his life ended, how he ended his own life after murdering his son and woman, of course, Nancy Benoit. Um, But Ming catches him with what the announcer's called a Tongan death grip. Mm-hmm. And then before, I guess, passing out, Benoit shook his head to woman like, no, because the whole story was that he didn't want woman to throw in the towel for him. Was she even carrying one? I don't even remember. I don't even recall. I guess she would have <laughs> tore a piece off her dress and threw it in the ring or something. I don't know. <laughs> she would have improvised. But he shook his head. Don't do <laughs> it the again. Microphone. And grab the mic- she grabs the microphone. What do you say? <laughs> 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 he he didn't give up yet. 
still one of my all-time least favorite matches. <laughs> that submission match. Or I quit match, I should say. WrestleMania yeah. 11. Bob Backlund, Bret Hart, Roddy Piper <laughs> as the referee. Uh, no wonder Roddy Piper wanted up in WCW because he was doing <laughs> trash like that. <laughs> Damn, that was trash. What do you say? <laughs> you give up? What do you say? You're listening to The Straight Shooters, featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone, giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of The Straight Shooters at shootersradio.com. So after this match, we move on to a commercial for the Great American Bash with DDP and the Steiner Brothers at a barbecue. And <laughs> DDP is smoking a cigar right over the food. It's like, bro, get out of here. Like, I'm trying to smoke this in the grill, not have your cigar smoke over it. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? He's cool as hell, though, bro. He's too cool for school. He smokes right over the food, apparently. <laughs> and then we move on to a match featuring the Steiner Brothers as they're going up against Conan and Hugh Morris. I never knew Conan was in the Dungeon of Doom. Really? Did not know that. He looks stupid in the Dungeon of Doom. Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just regular old dude with these characters. What? What's going on here? Uh, somebody knocked his hat off during the entrance. I found that funny. Um, that kind of messed up his little swag there during his entrance. Um, but Scott Steiner. We got to talk about Scott Steiner again. I feel like we always talk about him whenever his name pops up on these shows you look at him in the face on this show it looks like an ordinary person outside of the fact that he's super jacked obviously <laughs> you know <laughs> but he looked older than what he would look like later this year into 98 when he completely did you know had the whole drastic change and transformation mm-hmm. i feel like the transformation took like 10 years off his face like he just looked younger and <laughs> more like you know maybe because he looked more of the times more current but like it's, it's just wild that transformation you look at him on this show and it's like if you were to ask people that night of the two Steiner brothers, Rick or Scott, who would be a bigger star as a single? I think most people would say Rick Steiner because he was already over. People, every time he came out, he would they, they, they was barking and they would go crazy for Rick Steiner. But in reality, what happened was it was Scott Steiner because he had to completely transform his whole look and personality. And it became a huge star. It became the modern day superstar Billy Graham, pretty much. The modern day Maharaja. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let's talk about Jinder Mahal. So no, Jinder <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mahal. You know, I totally forgot Rick Steiner was. He really started out as a singles, and I think when Scott started wrestling is when they. I mean, maybe he was a singles for a little bit, but then they weren't like always a tag team, which kind of blew my mind because. I thought they always were, you know, like growing up, I was just like, oh, they've always been a tag team. And when Scott joined the NWO, that was the first time they were like 
not together, but no, like Rick Steiner was a singles guy. And so he was already over at that point. He was part of the freaking varsity club, right? I, I WCW at some point or NWA or whatever. Uh, yeah. And he was jacked. Like, just like Scott were, Steiner was like, Scott, they Rick, all were jacked. Yeah. yeah. Rick was like, big Rick dude lost, too. lost that jackedness, I guess. Uh, when he got in the tag team, like he wasn't like that at the end of his first WCW run, wasn't like that at WWF, and wasn't like that when they came I mean, back to WCW. So he looked pretty jacked on this night. Yeah, I mean he still was, but like not compared to, you know, when I saw like a video of him in the late '80s or whatever, early '90s. I was like, whoa, like that's Rick Steiner. Like I had no clue. <laughs> I don't even think he was wearing the headgear. I think he just had like a regular mullet and stuff like that. So yeah. uh I guess this was when Scott Steiner was starting to like wet his hair and like wear the ponytail. So maybe, you know, having the hair back made his facial features stand out more to you. And maybe that's why he thought he looked a little older than he did. I don't know. I guess. Cause he, yeah. he went through a couple little different like appearance changes even before joining the NWO. And I, I remember like he had that mullet, like the classic Scott Steiner mullet for the longest time, like 96 early 97 this was like the beginning of when he started like wetting it and just putting it in the ponytail where everything was like just pushed back so maybe that was part of it i don't know maybe maybe but yeah it's just like i said if you went back and because rick steiner was over people i mean you gotta give credit where credit is due rick steiner had the people going Mm -hmm. with the chants and the the barking yeah they love that all that stuff (laughs) love that stuff and i think if you like i said if you ask people on this night Oh, Rick Steiner's going to be the biggest star. Scott, what the hell does Scott do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does a Frankensteiner. That's dope. Yeah. But like, <laughs> and like some suplexes, but what else? <laughs> right. Rick's did suplexes too. But Rick barked. <laughs> He's a dog face. He had a nickname already. He had a dog face gremlin. Like, he had it going. And But, you know, Scott yeah. became the world champ at some point. So he had to completely change to get that to that point, though. Speaking of the Frankensteiner, uh, that's how. Rick and Scott won this match, mm-hmm. which again I'm always I'm always impressed by the Frankensteiner because Scott was like again jacked up dude doing a move like that. Uh, but after the match, we got Conan. He's all upset, you know. New Morris didn't get the job done, <laughs> like we didn't see that coming. New <laughs> Morris, right? <laughs> and he's yelling at Hugh Morris, and eventually he beats up Hugh Morris. And Jimmy Hart is yelling, "Oh, come on, baby!" And he's yelling. Blood in, blood out. You said blood in, blood out, right? Blood in, blood out. Who taught Jimmy Hart blood in, blood out? Not me. Who taught him that? Not me. Because Jimmy Hart didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Hart was going around going, yeah, blood in, blood out, right? Like, yeah. No, 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 (laughs) no. That's not just the title of a movie. (laughs) That's like something that actually people really live by. Like, in order to join a gang, you need to, you know, do something, shed some blood. And the only way you leave the gang... It's probably when you die, when you shed some blood again. Blood in, blood out. And he's just yelling that from Jimmy Hart's mouth on pay-per-view. Blood in, blood out, baby. Yeah, baby. Come on, baby. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> Who taught you that? <laughs> Conan taught you that? We need to stop teaching white people uh, stuff. No offense, Nick. <laughs> wait, listen. <laughs> None taken. Trust me. At least not Jimmy Hart. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> At least not Jimmy Hart. He's just yelling it. On TV and stuff like Could that. Could you do so. a Jimmy Hart introducing the straight shooters? <laughs> hey, baby, this is Jimmy Hart, baby. The mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And you listen to the Vaughn Johnson and Nick McCone of the straight shooters, baby. Yeah, baby. Hulk Hogan's my best friend. Did you know that? 
<laughs> oh, it's perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm watching this six. Oh my god! I'm watching the Sixers game at the same time here, as we said, and we're up big right now, seventeen. Mm. So Joel and B take a tumble there, scared the scared the bejesus out of me. Oh well, it's eighteen now. Spoiler alert! Oh man, <laughs> spoilers! Come on. All right, moving on from that though. Moving on from that nonsense. Let's <laughs> well, get to the the Dungeon Doom. The Dungeon of Doom exploded. Just like the Mega Powers. Yeah. Oh, just like the Mega Powers. They even exactly made it like of WrestleMania. That's right. My God. The Dungeon of Doom explodes. Wow. Well, that was... That was great, wasn't it? No. <laughs> no. This is such good shit. No. No. <laughs> The best moment of the Dungeon of Doom was either Hulk Hogan walking through like their lair and going, there's no Hulkamaniacs here! <laughs> and then the Monster Truck match. I would argue there is no best Dungeon of Doom moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. At the end of the day, you're probably right. So I'm trying to be positive about it. But you know what? Forget that. That's Screw why that. I'm here. Let's move on. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But moving on to one of, I guess, our two main events, huh? Yeah, double main event. The last two matches. No football, Michael Buffer, though. What the hell? Football players in the two biggest matches on the show. You got Steve McMichael going up against the Minister of Defense, Reggie White. Reggie yeah, why didn't they out. use that as like his wrestling nickname? Oh, I don't That'd know. Be cool. Mm. Good question. It's a very good question. I did uh, write I earlier that WCW was like pretty bad at marketing. Uh, in the first match, Mike today was talking about how much travel Stephen Regal does and Ultimo Dragon does, and like I never knew that crap. Like I only heard it during <laughs> the match. Like WCW did a terrible job at really like the outreach with the marketing and stuff and. So, yeah. I never knew that crap. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it was 97. I didn't have the internet. Like, I had no clue these guys could travel. Like, oh, my God, they went from there to there? Holy crap. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Reggie White. He was accompanied to the ring by Kent Johnston, who they mentioned on the broadcast was the Packers' strength coach at that time. And he was. Uh... But he's bounced around from multiple teams since then. And he is currently with the Carolina Panthers of all teams. <laughs> Wait, he's still, I guess he was young here, huh? Wow. I guess so. He's younger, at least. But he's still <laughs> around. He is a director of player wellness for wow. the Panthers. So that sounds like a more, a, a less hands-on title. He's probably, you know, uh, I don't know what that job entails, honestly. But he's not on the coaching staff page of the web, of the team website. So, it's on the front office page. So I figured like he's kind of got a desk and an office and probably not in the gym yelling in guys' faces, come on, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> probably not doing that now. I don't know. Maybe he is. I don't know. But that's where he is now, director of player wellness for the Panthers. Uh, they gave Reggie White this knockoff Packers jersey, which looked trash. It was terrible it was like a jersey. Mesh, a mess, uh, a mess, a mess, John. A mesh, John. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they didn't even put his name on the back. They put no, WCW, WCW on the back. Like, get out of here. What with the that hell? Crap. Come on, man. WCW. But he did wear his actual, look like his actual Packers pants. And they did. They really did. That, that was the funny part. I was like, wait, are those tights or are those his, his pants? Like, football right. pants. <laughs> but then they got me to think. I was like, wait a minute. Did the Packers even know about this? <laughs> you got to think about this for a second. Because we didn't talk about this earlier. This is like three months, or I guess five months, after they just won a Super Bowl. Okay? Reggie White, in that Super Bowl, three sacks. One of the best defensive players in the league. Again, the next season, two seasons later, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's a key piece on the Super Bowl team. They're looking to go back-to-back. They eventually got they got to the Super Bowl the next year. They didn't win, but they got to the Super Bowl again, so they have back-to-back in their minds, right? They got Brett Favre, Robert Brooks, Tony Freeman. They got a squad, right? Here he is wrestling. A full match. Like... <laughs> Did they sign off on this? Like, or did he just go rogue? OTA, baby. No, you don't want him potentially getting hurt? When they're doing the shoulder blocks in the beginning of the match? What if he hurt himself doing that? It was practice. He was practicing. Uh, I guess, man. I'm just... Practice. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. That's funny. The one thing that people don't know about that is that Allen Iverson was actually dealing with a death in his family was. or his, his best friend. So he that's why he's why he was so damn upset. Yeah. They were like, oh, you made me come all the way down here to talk about practice? I'm like, mm-hmm. get out of here. But... Team AI, baby. Exactly. The GOAT for, for Sixers fans. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, like, Kevin Green wrestling, full match. Like, I'm just imagining, like, imagine that that happens today. We're not talking <laughs> about Pac-Man Jones where he didn't even wrestle. He wasn't even on a team. I think he was suspended when he was in TNA. <laughs> And he didn't get. He didn't do any physicality. I don't remember. At least not a whole lot. He, he was in TNA. Uh, he was a tag team champion, wasn't he? Right, but our truth did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember, that. I don't remember that far back about that specific. I'm pretty sure. I, I remember Brian Erlacher did like some physical stuff, but not like a right, match or anything. At least but, it was like right. It was like one spot. Yeah. And, but this is a whole match. Yeah. I'm just imagining like. Aaron Donald, who's like today's Reggie White, he's a monster, but right? But weren't like injuries different too uh, back then? Like if if say he were to tear an ACL, he wouldn't necessarily miss the whole season. Oh yes, they, he would probably. Well, I mean, he would. If anything, it's gotten better today because of modern right, medicine and guys like, can rehab. Quicker. But like, I feel like you know he would obviously rehab it and everything, but he would eventually play a game. Like he wouldn't maybe miss the beginning of the season, but like he'd probably miss the first not, eight to ten games yeah, of that season. That's yeah. like a nine month injury. Yeah, so uh you know, they probably thought at that point, you know, like obviously the medicine wasn't uh and the medical procedures weren't as intricate as they are now. So if I get hurt, like I at least I won't miss like a whole season or something. I don't know. Maybe that was in the back of my mind. Yeah, I don't think the Packers would have would have been yeah. on would have been on that like like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Take that risk. And like, maybe they did. Maybe just like, whatever, Reg, whatever makes you happy because you, you're right, the man. Yeah. Maybe. Go ahead and do it. But like, I feel like, like you, like I said, fast forward to today, you got like Aaron Donald, who, again, he's a three time defensive player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just had 20 sacks as a defensive tackle. That's not ordinary. And imagine he looks like a pro wrestler out there, right? <laughs> like, I don't know if, if you ever. If you don't know who Aaron Donald is, Google him and then Google like shirtless Aaron Donald. You'd be like, that's the scariest looking human being I've ever seen in my life. Right? 
Um, but imagine him going out there and wrestling <laughs> in <laughs> AEW or something like that, like a full match in the offseason. I feel like people would be like, what, what is Aaron Donald doing? Like, I've, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much about this. Maybe I'm making <laughs> much ado about nothing. Because not like <laughs> Reggie White was the first. He wasn't the last, I guess, athlete. Because a year or two later, Dennis Rodman and, and Carl Malone would have matches. And I think Dennis Rodman appeared on Nitro during the finals. So, like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. This is, this is unique. It's just, it's just it something is. I thought and about. It's it's funny because I'm not into football at this point, so it really doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm going to watch wrestling right. anyway. You don't give a damn. So I'm not even watching, like, SportsCenter at this point. Like, I'm, I'm just paying attention to SportsCenter for baseball stuff. So whenever something else comes on, like, I'm not really worried about it because I'm like, yeah, I watch WCW, and why are they talking about football players? Like, who cares? It's not like I, I just – I guess I didn't view it as big a deal just because it was wrestling. I don't know. Uh, it was, I was in a very weird mindset back then because I didn't know how the world worked and how media worked. And, uh, you were football, a child. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, so even like I wasn't hyped a- at all, but I was like, okay, like I guess that's cool. But it didn't make me want to watch it more one way or the other or even watch it less one way or the other. I was just going to watch it because I was a wrestling fan. Not this specific pay-per-view, but like just – TV, you know, nitros and raws and stuff like that. So, right. The match itself, right off top, I'm going to say this match was too long. Yeah. This match went 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Who the hell know. thought <laughs> that putting Mongo, who was already like not super experienced, and Reggie White, who was not experienced at all, in a 15 minute match, bad idea. Yeah. Because this match dragged on a little bit. Here's the thing, though. The beginning of this match, I thought, was actually kind of entertaining. The fans were into it. It made perfect sense. It was simple. They started off doing, like, the shoulder block stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a stalemate. And at one point, Mongo takes the bump. Okay. You know, you got five minutes down. And somebody only took one bump. I think that's pretty good. Then you got the three-point stance stuff where Mongo clips Reggie White. Uh, Reggie no, White. Seth Curry like, oh, got hurt. Gosh. What? God, don't do this to me. What's wrong? He's, he's limping. He's limping. His ankle. What happened? What happened? I'm looking at the replay right now. What happened? I didn't even see the Nobody's, replay. This so. is this is a back, this is a shot here. Yeah. He's going back to the locker room. God, come on. With, with two guys carrying him. Oh man, two guys carrying him. She can barely put weight on that thing. That's the only way. Helped. It's the only way Washington can win, man. I mean, they're, not, they're still not going to win. <laughs> but we got to beat other teams besides Washington, yeah, though. Know. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I'm not even worried about Washington like that. No offense to any Wizards fans out there. It's just plenty of fans. We got bigger plans for this season. Screw the Wizards. <laughs> we need Seth. We need Seth Curry out there. Damn it. But again, they they do the whole uh, Mongo clips Reggie White. Yeah. Reggie White wants to do it again, and. It, this time, Reggie leapfrogs Mongo and sends yeah. Mongo to the turnbuckle. And then he hits him with the hump move, which I know they didn't say that on this pot on this show. But if you're a football fan, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Reggie White had this like this signature move where he would just literally take 300 pound men, take his arm and like punch them like pretty much under their arm, <laughs> and just move people out of the way. Like you gotta look up highlights of Reggie White's hump move and see how he would 
pretty much what Mongo did when he take a big bump out of the ring. That's literally what would happen on football fields. Like, that's not even an exaggeration. People would go flying left and right when Reggie White would hit this hunt move. And he, again, would send 300-pound men. And this is like, you know, when offensive linemen weren't really looked at for their athleticism as much as they were looked at just for their size, right? They were just mm-hmm. big dudes. Nowadays, you, you still want size, but you want guys with good feet. Yeah. These guys are still like 300 pounds, 320 pounds. And he's just like, get out of my way. And oh, hit the microphone there. Did you hear that? I did. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. I'm doing the hunt move, and I hit my microphone. Yeah, yeah. The microphone's at the cell. But he, he throw people out of the way. He literally took over the Super Bowl a couple months prior with this hunt move. Like, he did three <laughs> sacks in, like, succession. And he was just tossing people left and right. And people were just helpless watching him do this. So he hits the hunt. I thought that was kind of funny because, you know, I know what he's doing there when he did that. But... I wrote, like I thought I thought Reggie White got it. Like he just felt like he didn't feel out of place. He was selling, he was doing facial expressions, he he just got it. And then and then Mongo's about to leave. And that's when big Gilbert Brown comes in. Most people don't know who Gilbert Brown is, but Gilbert Brown was Reggie White's teammate on the Packers. He was a defensive tackle. Big old defensive tackle too, a nose tackle. Uh and he picks up Mongo, carries him back to the ring, and they start, you know, then Reggie White hits a drop kick and another yeah. hunt move, which sends Mongo flying again. And that's when, I'm like, all right, now the match is dragging. Because everything <laughs> after this point wasn't good. It could I could have done without. So the, up until the Gilbert Brown stuff, I was like, yeah, this is good. Mm-hmm. They got to wrap it up soon. Oh, it's still, like, another six, seven minutes yeah. of this. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's terrible. That's just... Terrible timing. Like, why would yeah. you put these guys in the ring for 15 minutes? That yeah. doesn't make any sense. Especially one-on-one. We're not talking about a tag match. Mm-hmm. Was it was the main event even as long as this match? I don't even know yeah, if it I was. Don't even remember. That was I, a six-man that's tag. That's the one I did not. Uh, of course, I didn't look it up on Wikipedia this time. Which, I'm about to look you know, it up right has now. all the uh, times very that accurate. Match was seven, that match was 17 minutes. So... Whew. So two minutes, minutes longer, longer than this. That's a six-man tag, bro. With five wrestlers and one football player. And this one, you got one football player and one football player who's got a tiny bit of experience in wrestling. <laughs> that's just that's just mismanagement right there. That's just putting these two guys in a bad spot that they can't really hold up to. Mm-hmm. But the, the finish comes when uh, you know Reggie, he hits a suplex and a splash, and he's like about to win. But Deborah gets up on the apron, and she's pretending she hurt her ankle. Yeah. Right and Reggie White, I guess that lack of experience comes into play. Trying to heal her, right? <laughs> With his hand, he put he said a prayer over her ankle, like. <laughs> but he's checking on her because you know he's not hip to this pro wrestling stuff. Right, right. And while that's happening, while he's checking on her, he somehow did not notice Mongo getting this briefcase snatched from him. Barely by Gilbert Brown. They almost dropped it. (laughs) Right? So he misses that. And then he also missed Jared coming down to the ring and tossing Mongo another briefcase. (laughs) He was that focused on Deborah's ankle. He was. Of course, Mongo takes the second briefcase, whacks Reggie White in the back (laughs) with it. Reggie White falls back. Oh! Unconscious. Mongo wins with the one, two, three to pick up the win. And the Packers, but like, 
the Packers called WCW like uh, Trump called WWE when Vince's limo exploded. <laughs> <laughs> is Reggie okay? <laughs> is, is he going to be available for training camp? <laughs> we don't even need him for OTAs. Did they even have OTAs back in the 90s? I don't even know if they did know. or not. I do not know. He's going to be ready for training camp. We saw him get hit in the back with that suitcase. <laughs> or that briefcase, I should say. Okay. Also, is that poor lady's ankle okay? She looks pretty hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her in for a so, meet and greet. <laughs> right. It's just again, this match was like eight minutes too long. But the first half of it I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely uh could have went without I think when he started doing the figure four and sell Reggie sell the leg, but then he stops. It's like okay, like we've <laughs> clearly reached the plateau. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we jumped the shark a little bit here yeah. with this match. Well, I, it was funny. Uh, you know, Mago won, and him and Jarrett scuttle up to the aisle while Deborah's mugging for the camera. It's like, <laughs> right. But it See also, <laughs> again, made that finish earlier didn't make any sense when Mongo's yanking Deborah right, out. Right, right. De- but then he helps Mongo win. Yeah. It's like, uh, what's going on here? Like, he clearly was helping him win. He tossed him the briefcase. Like, yeah, yeah, you won, buddy. Good job. It's like... He kind of helped you lose earlier, I think. Right. I don't know. Maybe it was the beginning of that. like Because they had like a weird storyline going for months. But so didn't maybe, they have a match was... at Super Brawl? Oh, yeah. Was that Super Brawl where they had that know. match? Didn't they? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, Seth Curry's back on the floor. Thank what? goodness. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Well, not on the floor. He's on the sideline, at least. <laughs> I'd rather see him on the sideline than in, in uh, the Why are these guys pulling Paul Pierce's? And, like, it's crazy. Come on. <laughs> don't don't, don't do that to me, especially while we're back, recording. Damn it! They back out here. He's he's on the sideline at least. He's on the sideline. But uh, yeah, that finish earlier didn't make any sense compared when you put it up against this. But you know we're here, so yeah, it is what it is. I guess you couldn't have Mago lose to Reggie White. You know it would be funny if Jared made him lose to Reggie White. It made sense. That, yeah, that would have made sense. I don't think uh, Reggie White had another match after this. I don't think so either. I think the pack was like, all right, that's enough, Reg. <laughs> we done with this, bro. <laughs> like we had like two or three heart attacks watching you wrestle on this yeah, night. That's drop kick. Ooh, that drop kick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that damn drop kick, bro. We gotta get ready to try to go back to back. You out here <laughs> wrestling Mongo. He's not even playing football no more. Get out of here. See <laughs> what's, he, what's he doing out here? But uh, let me see. It's the uh, Super Brawl '97. Didn't they have a match against each other? Was it Jeff Jarrett and Mongo, or am I tripping? Yeah, here we go. Jeff Jarrett won. That was a match where uh, we talked about it on the show. Where Deborah was like all happy that. Uh, yeah, I guess Jeff he was an official was horseman. Checking on her husband. Official. Yeah, that was a match for Jeff Jarrett to become a horseman. Yeah. That's when he officially became one. Uh, so yeah, that was that was strange. But moving on to the main event of the evening: Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, and Kevin Green going up against the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, who are the current WCW World Tag, World Tag Team Champions, and Six, who is currently oh. <laughs> there you go. Don't play it too long though. We might get no. That was <laughs> it. Some rights. That was it. But six, 
Six was the Cruiserweight Champion at this point. And collectively, they called themselves the Wolfpack. This is the Wolfpack before the actual Wolfpack. <laughs> right? Yep. Which, uh, funny, Six was never in the Wolfpack, was he? No. Like he the was, red and uh, black. He, he was, was gone by then. Yeah. Yep. That's he was funny. in DX. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So they were just the wolf, because Pack just had left. <laughs> wow. Uh. Somewhere, Pack is shaking his head right now. Don't give yourself Thank an you. applause Thank on that. You. Thank you. I, <laughs> myself. I thought that was you what that you, hit that. You Barry Horowitz out here, Pack yourself <laughs> in the back. I probably got Get a better, better wrestling record than he does. I mean, zero and zero, <laughs> I guess. Hey. Oh, now Russell Westbrook's hurt. He's in the back. That sucks for the mm. Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> Such a different reaction. <laughs> <laughs> right? When the Seth Curry to Tobias Harris, oh, Lord, Jesus, yeah. my babies. <laughs> Not my babies. And it's Russell Westbrook. Oh, damn, that sucks. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's sad. <laughs> When it's a Sixers player, not my babies, no, Lord Jesus, take me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> take my ankle. <sighs> so, uh, <laughs> back to <laughs> Slambury 97. Uh, we'll get Michael Buffer doing the ring announcing, which it made me remember since Reggie White was on the show. Michael Buffer is a big Eagles fan. Yes, he is. And I keep forgetting. I always like have to be reminded of it like two or three times a year. But yeah, Michael Buffer. I don't mm. know if Bruce Buffer is a big Eagles fan, but Michael Buffer is from like the area, I think, and he's a big Eagles fan. So I wonder if he'll, he's probably happy to see Reggie White backstage. Yeah, I wonder if he'll be in the series finale of Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> <laughs> Murder, murder. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready to river. <laughs> they said somebody's floating in the Delaware River. Like, nobody says the Delaware River. It's just the Delaware. Yeah. We know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. You say the Delaware, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, Schuylkill, yep. <laughs> right. And Schuylkill, depending Schuylkill on the context, bunch. I know if you're talking about the river or the expressway. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You don't have to say it right. You no. don't have to say either one. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah I was riding down on the school kill oh that means the expressway yep now you don't want to end up in the school kill that means the river <laughs> that means the river you don't want to end up in the school kill and you don't want to drink school kill punch <laughs> right Ugh. no thank yeah, you this is getting you some deep cuts right here in Philly yeah this is deep cuts for Philly right here <laughs> just so y'all know uh, you're getting a real education in Philly and right, <laughs> stuff yeah. That we're talking about. Yeah, we got you. We got you on the straight shooter. We got you. We got you. Uh, <laughs> this match, Kevin Green walks out with a. I thought it was a pretty dope like varsity jacket. Yep. Uh, it's like you said, Panthers on the front, Kevin Green on the back, and it's like, damn, he left the team three months later. Signed with San Francisco, <laughs> and then lost in the NFC Championship again to the Packers the next year. Mm-mm-mm. I just remember that at the top of my head. 49ers were really good that year. They do a thirteen and three or something like that. Wow! I think they had Rod Woodson on defense and Kevin Green. Woo! But those damn Packers got them again. Um, Bastards. Funny thing happened before this match, though. Tony Schiavone. Hmm. It's mentioning Ric Flair, right? He's talking about Ric Flair, and he, yeah, you know, 
He's back here in the same place where he won the world title. <laughs> back at Starcade 1993. Mm-hmm. He pummeled a big man into submission. A man that's never been heard from or seen again. Like, wait a second. <laughs> you mean Vader? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> big Van Vader, right? Former WCW World Champion and currently in the WWF. Who didn't leave WCW till 1995. <laughs> <laughs> right. Vader didn't show up in WWF until 96. You mean that guy? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Come on. That's some WWF stuff. It is. Rewrite history. It is. I, well, I can't back Tony here for that one. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Whether he was told to say that or he was on his own. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Never seen again after 1993. Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> One thing I noticed about this match is I thought Kevin Green was awesome. He'd fire up and get the crowd hyped up. I th- he reminded me of Ultimate Warrior, which, I mean, not for his out-of-the-ring stuff. Just it, purely in the ring. <laughs> okay. He reminded me of kind of like Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, that's what the vibe I Sp- got. Speaking of Vader, he lost the previous week or whatever that cold day in hell pay per view was. He lost to Ken Shamrock, made him tap oh. out. Oh, yeah. Look at that. So maybe that was just Tony's way of furthering the needle a little bit. I'm sure Vader was probably on his way out. I mean, well, he was this, still he in was WWF already on, when he Kane. Was, yeah, he was the. I gotta say, like after the Vader Mankind stuff, is when like Vader just kind of was there and a, a body. Yeah, because he was he was still there when Kane debuted. Because I remember yeah. Kane going against him yep. later that year. Ninety eight. You know, it was like ninety eight. No, no, okay, no way out. I think so before WrestleMania. Ooh, so yeah, right. he was uh, Vader was there a little, a little bit longer, but when he was an important part of WWF and their TV, it was uh, kind of. <laughs> The previous week when he lost to Ken Shamrock, that was kind of it. Like he wasn't, mm. he wasn't that big mastodon or anything. No, so I don't no, know. If, not. I don't know if he stole Tony's first wife or what. But <laughs> <laughs> never seen again. Uh, this match is pretty. I mean, it was pretty hot though. Like the crowd was into yeah, it. it was, the, yeah. the, the actual match itself was pretty like basic. The good guys got a bunch yeah. of offense in. It was whooping NWO's ass, and then the bad guys finally got the heat in. They got it in on Flair. Which makes sense because Flair is of the three, the mm-hmm. best seller. So it makes sense to get heat on him. But the fans were into everything that was going on. Piper knocked the referee out and everything was just all kinds of stuff was happening. Including I think I heard the F chant at the NWO at one point. The F word, I should say. Mm-hmm. Chanted at the NWO. I don't know if did you hear that? I did don't my ears think I was paying, a, paying attention, but uh, I wouldn't sure be surprised. That. I would not be surprised. Pretty sure heard that. This is '97, after all. People were just saying anything. Um, but this match was, I thought, again, besides that one terrible moment, I thought this match was dope. Again, the fans were super into it, and I thought the finish was awesome. <laughs> you know, where you got uh, Flair putting Scott Hall in a figure four, Piper's got uh, Nash in the sleeper, and then Kevin Green body slams uh, six. And they all pretty much beat him all at the same time. The fans are going crazy. And regardless of like the technicality or the story, the fans are going crazy. And at the end of the day, that's really kind of what matters. Like the fans yeah. were yeah. going nuts. They went home happy, which was, like you said earlier, a rarity uh, at this time in WCW 
as far as the NWO, because the NWO was still building, even though it was you know about to enter a year in, but they were still kind of peaking or going up to the peak, of course, that which would be Star K97. Um, but yeah, this this was I had a lot of fun watching this match. Yeah, and I believe it was Flair's first match in a while. He had been injured uh, on the shelf, and maybe the War Games match was his last match. I don't remember if he wrestled at Halloween Havoc 96, but uh, he definitely, uh, this was his first match back from whatever injury he was dealing with. And, you know, teaming with Piper, you know, another guy that was hot, hotly popular, hotly popular, whatever, and Kevin Green. So, uh, so hotly popular right now. <laughs> What am I talking about? Like, <laughs> that's but, like, uh, was it Hansel and Zoolander? <laughs> it's Hansel. He's so hotly popular right now. <laughs> I know that reference because I saw that movie. So how about that? Owen Wilson. How about that? You saw one movie. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you said, like the Kevin Green shoulder tackle to Nash, like those fans were into it. They were having the time of their life and they left happy. Like, which was rare in that era, even at WCW, because like NWO always got the heat, you know. Like they, it seemed like nobody can one up the NWO ever, and obviously the NWO would get their heat back after this. But for this night, like if you ordered this pay per view, you were happy, you know. Like it was like a, a good ending, as something that we yeah. did not see. And yeah, I thought. Go ahead. I was gonna say uh, even Nick Patrick, you know, like the NWO turned on him. The previous pay-per-view, I believe, at Spring Stampede, you know, like Nash powerbombed the crap out of him because he wouldn't count when Macho Man was <laughs> pinning DDP or something. And, like he came out and he was, you know, involved in the decision. So like just a whole thing. It, it, it felt like as a fan, you were really watching like a, a war between the WCW and NWO and you felt like the end of this pay-per-view, maybe the tide shifted. You know, we obviously didn't know a lot you know at the time is you know at least i didn't but i would have felt that way if i saw this live i would have been like wow the nwo is on the outs right <laughs> you know like uh but yeah that's kind of like the feeling i got watching this and trying to put myself in that seventh or sixth grade mindset you know i don't know how old i was i was young for my grade so i never know really how old i was when i use when i use grade levels i'm just like I remember grade levels more than I remember my age, you know, at certain points. So I had to be 11 at this point. So, yeah, I was 11, and I was fully enthralled in this storyline with the NWO and WCW. And, you know, I didn't know the ins and outs of wrestling. So I, watching this, I would have been like, wow, WCW, you know, they, they won tonight. So maybe tomorrow they'll win again. I don't know. Psych! And the, and the ending was great because you had Flair with Scott Hall on the figure four Piper with the sleeper on Nash Kevin Green power slam six and like so they all had their like shoulders on the mat or very close to it if not, I don't know if Nash's shoulders were on the mat but like that was a great visual too it's like it wasn't just yeah. a fluke win you know they really owned the NWO that night right and tradition lives so, so much that Kevin Green declared the NWO dead <laughs> <laughs> he was talking to the camera when they were going up the aisle he's like the NWOs, no more. It's like, all right, relax. Not Kevin. quite. Relax. Not quite. Not relax. But it was a it was a great finish. Uh, again, the fans 
fans can really help a match. I mean, we've talked about yes, that yes. so many times in this podcast, how much fans can help a match. And I think that was the case maybe with a couple matches, like the Mongo and Reggie White match and this match where you got some inexperience in there. And this match wasn't tremendous by any stretch, but it was the crowd was so hot. They were invested in what was going on. And it was the rare win over the NWO. It felt like something important happened, even though it really wasn't like a big deal at the end of like moving forward. You know, like the NWO kept on trucking through the, uh, you know, WCW, but it just felt like something big happened. And I think mm-hmm. it made the show overall. The show was, I thought it was pretty good. Like there's some good matches. Yeah. Like you said earlier, the finishes all made sense. Well, well except the Mongo stuff, the Mongo and Jeff Jarrett stuff kind of didn't make sense, <laughs> but at least we got some decent wrestling before that. Yeah, you know, there wasn't it went, anything boom, boom, offensive boom. and absurd on this show. Yeah, they just moved smoothly along. And I mentioned uh, mentioned this in my notes. It felt like WCW did everything they could to get fans to tune into the pay-per-view and then deliver. You know, They used their TV to set up everything, and they didn't use the pay-per-view to set up anything. You know what I mean? Like ev- They went from match to match to match, like, there was no backstage promos, none of that like Demean Gene stuff was you had the Macho Man DDP thing, but that served that was purpose a big angle, that, though. that was entertaining. Uh, right, that was a big angle yeah. and that was dope and it advanced that story. Yep. And, and you, you, know, you notice I didn't complain about that. Right. Because usually when WSW would do like some type of, you know, angle type promo type thing, I'm complaining about it. <laughs> but that's not what happened here, because I thought it was dope. All right, let's wrap it up for Slambury with some final thoughts there, Nick. You got any? This is probably going to be one of their best pay-per-views in 1997, uh, maybe ever in the NWO ever, just for the fact that everything, you know, they went to the next thing like right away. There was no, and yes, I watched this on Peacock and some of it on the WWE Network, uh, so editing could play a part. I know these are Turner Master tapes and stuff like that that they have. But uh, so, like, if I was there, if I was watching it live, maybe there were other things that they edited out. I don't know that. But usually with WCW pay-per-views, that was their thing. They kind of went, you know, smoothly. Where the next thing, the next thing, until they hit like 1998, and then they changed like their philosophy on pay-per-views and stuff like that. But. This was like a WCW pay-per-view that I remember from that era that just, you know, started out and commentary really explained the story as well during the matches. You didn't need the video packages for every match. I think they only showed the video package for the opening uh, of the pay-per-view. They didn't even show like a video package for like before the main event or anything like that. Like everything was included in the opening of the pay-per-view, like the pay-per-views already ordered for people. Like you don't need video packages on pay-per-views like that. So... Everything just went smoothly, and I liked it. It was an easy watch, a smooth watch. I enjoyed it. Uh, good storylines, most mostly. Uh, good results, mostly. The crowd was into it. So, yeah, it was it was a fun watch. And I had a lot more fun rewatching this than I thought I would because I, I watched it before, but not like, you know, like I say, when we do these deep dives, I watch it in a different way. And so I didn't really know what to expect watching it you know with a keen eye this time and i really didn't feel like it was anything to be critical about in in that era so i really enjoyed it that's a good pay-per-view yeah i thought it was i thought it was a really like i said easy watch uh most of most things made sense 
And like you said, it just felt like WCW was just effortlessly moving throughout this year with the hottest angle, the hottest faction, the hottest heel, and just building and building and building to eventually the crescendo at Starcade 1997, where they messed it all up. We've talked about that in the past. Mm-hmm. But they had a lot good. They had a lot of good stuff going, man. Between mm-hmm. the NWO stuff, which hadn't outgrown uh, or overstayed its welcome yet, uh, with DDP, with the you know this particular thing with Piper and Flair, like the Piper stuff wasn't always good. We talked about that with like Starcade. I think it was '96 or with the Halloween Havoc or something like that when he escaped from um, uh, Alcatraz and all that. That yeah. was kind of weird in the finish, but. You know, this particular thing with Piper and Flair and then Kevin Green was, I thought was dope. Um, there's a lot of good stuff. The Cruiserweight stuff, the TV title stuff, the US titles, everything just was just like going along. Tag title stuff was just going along, being being good television, like honestly. So, mm. uh, you know, so it was a good time for WCW at this point. But let's wrap it up for episode 285 and the good times we've had here on this here episode. We'll keep the good times rolling next week, though. But until then, Nick. Take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick Picone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'll obviously say that. But also on PhillyInfluencer.com and perhaps PhillyVoice.com. <laughs> I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me there, you can find me out here in these streets because I am fully vaccinated. As I've mentioned before, we uh, can find my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash radio. We're doing uh, requests. We're opening it up for requests for Patreon subscribers. If you want to deep dive, you want us to cover some type of event or uh, wrestling media, go on over to patreon.com slash radio. Hit, put your request down. Pay the nominal fee first, obviously. Put your request in, and we shall fulfill that request. We are going to get back to the Patreons very soon, I promise. We're going to do one uh, within the next, I don't know, week or two? I don't know, but Mm -hmm. soon. We're definitely getting back to the Patreons and fulfilling those requests. But until next time, for Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 285 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Listen to The Straight Shooters. This is Donnie Wahlberg (laughs) from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Pacone at the Straight Shooters, y'all.